The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of The Paternity Test. I'm Todd Jay in the Chicago suburbs. And I'm Matt Barese in Chicago. And welcome back to the podcast that just woke up from a 20-month nap and really needs a shave. Oof. Boy, what happened? My shotgun's rusty. I have a long gray beard. No one in the village recognizes me. <laughs> yeah, it's um, just things just got away from us there for a while, didn't it? Gosh, what happened? You like baseball? I moved up. I did a show. This what oh, happened? You moved houses. Yeah. I packed up all the podcasting equipment, and because we we like it, it, we we were we were looking at houses, but we 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 weren't, you know. But then we found one, and we're like, oh, that's the one. We bought it. We had to put ours on the market immediately, so I had to declutter the whole house. You've seen, you know, HGTV and all the shows where they tell you the first thing you got to do is get rid of all the crap in your house and make it look like nobody lives there. You know, or that like it's staged as opposed to lived in. So I had to pack up all the podcast equipment. I had to pack up all the toys. We had to rent the storage space and everything went into the storage space. And then we moved. We moved here and all the stuff came out of the storage space, but it was in boxes. And we, I did not do a good job labeling like every time we need something like, hey, where's that special pan we use to, you know, cook the pound cake? And I don't really make a lot of pound cake, but yeah. uh, I've got to open 60 boxes because nothing was labeled you know, it was general, like... Right. Where's our bunt cake shaped like a snowman? Well, this yes. box is full of humidifiers. <laughs> this box yeah. is full of wedding dresses. Uh, yeah, so that there's been a lot of that over the past uh, year, because now we've been in this house a year. But I, I think what... I, I Honestly, I think once we got into the house, uh, we just got into this the new routine of not doing... You know, we used to, we were in a routine of doing a podcast, and then we got in a routine of not doing a podcast. And, and I got to tell you, as much as I in, have enjoyed... Like, we did five years of never... Barely missing a week of the podcast. Yeah. And developed this audience base and this, you know, friend... You know, virtual friends who, who listen to the show. But, boy, it's a lot easier to not do a podcast. Oh, my God. Well, I, I'm kind of glad you feel that way, because this whole time I've been secretly worried that, like you resented this entire last year and a half of not doing podcasts. Whereas I've been like, Oh, the burden is lifted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm certainly, so I've been... the, certainly the fame. Oh, in me misses the like fan mail. Right. Uh, the part Have of you me been that leaving likes... yourself voicemails on our, on our now defunct voicemail Absolutely. line. <laughs> hey Matt, this is Matt in uh, Oklahoma city. Really like miss you guys. First time, long time listener, first time <laughs> caller. Keep up the good work. Goodbye. Been buying things on Amazon just to get a percentage of my own purchase to myself. That I, yeah, that I do still do. So, uh, yeah, old habits. Yeah. But the part of me that enjoys being married is, uh, yeah, has it a lot easier, right? The weekly never... resentment, you yeah. know. Uh, when, uh, yeah, when you say tonight's the night to record. Um, yeah, I, I haven't missed that at all. Well, and your kids are like 40 now and my kid is much older. And so it's not just like, Hey, Hey wife, I'm going to go, uh, hide for a jillion hours, but it's also, Hey children. Yeah. I shan't see you tonight. So the, the kids stay up later. So we have to stay up later 
I'll tell you one of the biggest and and I probably talk about this when we do updates a little bit. One of the hardest things I I've had to adjust to now is my kids stay up later than I do, which was never the case before. So now it's like nine thirty, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to bed. Um, please don't burn the house down, and please don't like invite your boyfriend over. You know, right. <laughs> And, and please one, don't you know. meet axe murderers while yeah. playing Fortnite or whatever the the, you the young any, people do. You hear any taps on the window? Yeah, <laughs> don't let Momo in the house, please, while I'm in bed. <laughs> no matter what she tells you. <laughs> so that's been a, that's that's been a big adjustment uh, of of just the kids getting older and me getting older. That's I mean we were, uh, but uh, so yeah, I've I've been in this comfortable zone of yeah. It, I had so much fun, and 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 I've I'm already having fun uh, recording this podcast tonight. But yeah, there is a part of me that the the burden was was lifted a little bit. But uh, but I'm happy we're we we were brought back together here. For yeah, special, and special episode. It's a very special episode. It's like when uh, ooh Jerry Lewis brought no Frank Sinatra went on the Jerry Lewis telethon and forced a a Dean Martin oh, and, yeah. and Jerry Lewis reunion. Right, like you and I, despite our our virulent hatred for one another uh, <laughs> have been forced back to recording by none other than the imagination movers. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and, and not only, but the imagination mover with the wobble goggles, the one that always, you know, the, the, the kind of the life of the party there in that, uh, in that group. But yeah, Scott, Scott Durbin, I believe is his Yeah. Scott name, Durbin, so. the, lo- the long haired one who's sort of like the, it's like the childlike one. Of yes, the, the childlike right? one. Mm-hmm. Yes, so uh, you'll be hearing an interview with him uh, later in the show, and we did that because... Uh, Movers are coming to Chicago. They'll be they here Saturday, are. March 30th. They're doing two shows. I think they're adding one show because of us, frankly. like They were doing a show at 1 p.m. in Chicago. They haven't been in Chicago in years. This is the Imagination Movers who had a show on Playhouse Disney, Disney Junior. It's still on the Disney app. Um, then they've been doing their thing for many years now, uh, but they've got a 1 p.m. show at the Vidim Theater in Chicago, and they've added a 4 p.m. performance. The 1 o'clock is just about sold out. The VIP tickets are sold out. The front row sold out. There's a few seats left, so that's going to be a party. If, you, if you've, you know, you've got a party, you can still, still get tickets. You know that one's going to be robust, so that should be uh, a good time. I think there may still be meet-and-greet tickets, VIP tickets, for the, uh, for the 4 o'clock show. So it's only like a 300-seat theater, so it's going to be a really yeah. intimate uh, performance. You're going to get high fives from the guys. So uh, I'm going for sure. Viva can't wait. Uh, so March 30th, you can go to imaginationmovers.com or you can go to vidimtheater.org and get your tickets right now. I think it'd be weird if I brought my 16-year-old, but the good news is he'd be able to drive me home. Because See? I'd, be, I'd have to take a nap. Well, there's a lot of dancing that, you know, like you get up and dance with the movers a lot. So you probably could, you'll be plum tuckered out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's uh, uh, one other, uh, one other great thing about everybody getting older in the house is that we now have a built-in designated driver and we've taken advantage of that on a couple occasions where (laughs) you're disillusioned alcoholics now. (laughs) <laughs> and and uh, Alex is like, uh, you know, Alex get, get, gets the keys and, uh, you know, we don't have to worry so much anymore. Oh. You know, he gets to drive us home. We've had a couple like family parties and, uh, you know, a friend party where they had kids and, 
And we've been a little looser with the alcohol because it's, you know, we've got that driver. And he's he even, he, I think he's the one who brought it up the first time. He's like, Dad, I'll drive home. I got it. I'm That's like, oh. amazing. Is he a good driver? You know what? He is. I, I'm, I'm going to contradict myself. He's an excellent driver who's already caused $900 worth of damage to my car. Well, <laughs> uh, texting? No, ice. And so that's that's why oh, that's ice. Why well, that's not his fault. Exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, he got his license in, in October. And so, you know, that's just the beginning of the, the, the cold weather. And and so one of the first times he had to drive himself to baseball and it was early in the morning. He uh, I told him to take my car because it has all wheel drive. And I knew that there was some snow in the forecast uh, and his baseball uh, practices are in like an industrial park. You know, like a, they turn these <laughs> places into baseball training facilities yeah. and stuff because they have high ceilings and they're big and wide and so he was coming out of the parking lot and there was a bend in the road like a curve in the road and he the way he described it to me is that he 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 turned the wheel and took the curve which fine and then the the road straightened out and he straightened out the wheel but the car kept going towards the curb and he couldn't really and it was one of those I'm sure a panic moment because you don't you have you don't know how to handle that situation until you're in it so oh, right. And it doesn't matter what they told you in driver's ed. Like, remember yeah. to drive towards the cliff you're falling off of. It doesn't yeah. matter. You're going to do what you're going to do <laughs> in the moment. And frankly, $900, I mean, the way cars are built now, they're one giant crumple zone. Like, you could hit a bird and do $900 for the damage. Yeah. So, and this was all like wheel damage. So, the the, the rim, like the, the rim hit the curb, uh, you know, bent the rim, uh, bent parts underneath the car that they had to replace. And uh, so the rim, a, a wheel, like an aluminum wheel for your car is like $400. Oh, my God. I um, had like a if blowout. If it's not one of those that, that steel wheels with a plastic hubcap, if it's one of those alloy rims, I didn't realize how expensive mm-hmm. those are. No, it's bonkers. And you can't get them. Like, I, I had a blowout and bent the rim. And uh, you can't just, like, go into the tire shop and say, yeah. grab me a wheel. Because I guess every car has a different wheel. So it yes. makes no sense for people to have them in stock. And they're like, I don't know, call the manufacturer, go on eBay. Like We got lucky. Uh, the, guy, the guys at our, the, where we took the car to get repaired were able to find one. It was a used one, like off of a, another car that might maybe got wrecked, but it was in perfect shape and it matched mm-hmm. ours. And so, I mean, we got lucky. That shape being uh, round. Yes. <laughs> Good news. We got one that's a circle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, as much as I don't, fault him for that because i do feel like he is a really good driver who got in you know who had a panic situation so what i found out was you know because like that's what bothered me about that is that you don't know how to handle that till you're in it well there is a program that and i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head and i wish i did because it'd be a a neat plug but they uh they rent a large space it's very it's made for teen drivers they run a very large, like it might be like an old runway or just a big, huge, empty parking lot, and they soap it up. What? And then you bring your own car and your kid with a driving instructor sitting next to him, and they, they go through, like, like they do a hands-on training on how to handle like out-of-control, dri- like you know, driving on slippery surfaces, how to, you know, you, get, you actually get to feel like what it, what it is to turn into the skid. And... And you do this for like four hours and there's a classroom part of it too. So it's like how to, you know, how to drive under extreme conditions as opposed to just the general. And I want to get them to one of those. I want to get, I think that's a great thing. 
I think it's a fun thing. I don't know how useful it is, but uh, <laughs> it's. I mean, you're only going to get into a skid once every couple of years. The the, the odds well, that a skid that, that throws you into an 18 wheeler are probably small. And that, will you still, in in a live fire situation, remember your soapy airplane hangar training, or will you panic? Well, I think if you've, I mean, at least you've experienced it before. That at that point, you know what I mean. <laughs> He I said, think it's oh, just for grins, like a go kart place or one of those uh, bouncy zones where everything's. A, it could, oh, <laughs> everything here it is. It's called tire, Park. It's called Tire Rack Street Survival, and uh, yeah, so it's a it's a teen driving program and goes beyond the normal driver education. So you, but uh, you do have to bring your own car, which makes me nervous because if you're going to be doing like fishtails and donuts and things with your car. I mean, it's obviously possible that you're going to crash the car, or they'd let you use theirs. <laughs> yes, because you are bringing your own car. So, uh-huh. uh huh. Bring your own car. So uh, there's probably nothing to hit in there but the wall on the outside of it, right? Like there's not obstacles. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the, yeah, when you're when you're not driving, you have to be walking through the course as a as a pedestrian. <laughs> there's concrete pylons everywhere. There's uh. It's like Paperboy. There's like people riding their bike across the street. There's stray dogs. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so it's that name. What is it? Street Survivor. Street Survival. That totally plays to paranoid macho dads, like the kind of guys who wear tactical pants and stockpile weapons. <laughs> tactical dad pants. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do see pockets, that they got cargo highways. pockets are coming back in. I think. Are they really? You've always been anti-cargo pocket, but I've seen now, of course, you know, I'm talking about when I say back in style, I mean at Old Navy. That's as close to high fashion as I get. Did they ever go out of style at Old Navy? I mean, Old Navy, like, really wants you to have pockets on the sides of your legs. <laughs> if you don't look like a G.I. Joe action figure, they're not interested. It's possible, but even my wife commented, and she's definitely a little more tuned in than I am. She's like, yeah, cargo pants are kind of coming back. Now, I know that most people out there are going to say, that's a hard no. They're not, so don't even try. Uh, and I agree. Like I'm over the cargo pants thing. I went. I was full on cargo. I had cargo shorts, cargo pants, cargo pajamas. You know, everything was car. Car. I had cargo. I had cargo pockets on my swimming trunks. <laughs> because well, why wouldn't so I can, want more pockets? Right, because you might want to keep a rebreather or a what a <laughs> uh, a spear gun. Mm-hmm. Some sort of anti. Jellyfish venom. Yeah, my, my anti-shark spray. Uh-huh. Just like, bat shark repellent? <laughs> bat shark repellent. So, uh, uh, but I had to give them all up. I had to go with two pockets, and it's been hard. It's been hard, especially because the phones are getting bigger and my pockets are getting smaller. Oh, do you have like a rap guy phone? Do you have like a like a Samsung that's the size of a, an iPad? But do you, no, it's just an iPhone, like an i ten R or whatever, the, you know, the cheaper version of whatever just came out, but there are, you made that up. Yeah. It, no, I didn't make it up. Apple made it up. 10 R. It's no, a hey, iPhone 12. Uh, X I got triangle. It. I got it straight from Tim Apple. Himself. Tim Apple. He sells he good phones. Yeah, that's right. He said, I got this one for you. It's called a 10 R. It's only available here in, uh, the back of my van. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I've, uh, you know, the last phone I had, which was the next size down, it was like a 7S, 7, I think, you know, the smaller 7, not the pluses. 
that to me was the biggest phone I ever wanted to have. But I needed to get my phone was crapping out. I need to get a new one, and this was the like the cheapest new one I can get, and it had to be this size. There was no smaller version. Yeah, I'm but, a little overdue for a new phone, and I bought my wife at some point the X, I think, so it's bigger than mine. But the, yeah. the last time, or a couple times ago when phones got bigger, you got the big size phone, and I thought you did bend it around your thigh into a boomerang shape. Didn't you wreck a phone? I did not. I did, I did not. I and But I'm paranoid of that because they are getting bigger. Um, I worry more about like my, my daughter having a phone. Like I keep trying to give her the smallest possible phone. Because she has small hands and small pockets and small, so what? And and I, you know, I see people like teenagers with the giant phones. They have nowhere to put them, especially the girls. Especially the girls, they stick them in the back pocket and they're sticking halfway out. Like how? Like it's always uh, on the verge of falling out. Makes me so nervous. They even have those tiny backpacks, right? That's just like a. Mm-hmm. It's the size of a fanny pack, but for some reason, it's in the center of your back. And fanny packs are back too. Have Which is weird. Yeah. Is, you know, ironic. it's weird, but I'm, uh, I really wish I could pull stuff. one. you carry stuff. You were never an Eagle Scout, were you? No. I just like to, I just like to have options with what my, my on-body storage. Because <laughs> you never know. You could pack a, you know, some extra snacks. Yeah. You are like a walking seaplane. I mean, for, first of all, you do... <laughs> Production stuff, so I feel like you got to have a Leatherman like tool. I got to, yeah. Uh-huh. I want to have a flashlight with me, some extra tape, and um, yeah. So I'm always jealous of when I see that that fanny packs are in, knowing that I'll n- not for me though. They're not in for me. They're in for the young, the younger generation. Because uh, because there's an irony thing. I mean, we there, are definitely north of irony. I can't. God, I used to love irony, but I can't do. Irony, because now I'm just like a middle-aged white man. So if I wear, if I wear an ironic, you know, camouflage cap or trucker cap or snapback, I just look like an angry hillbilly. <laughs> if I wear, if I wear a fanny pack, I look like an out-of-touch tourist at Universal Studios. I like just I'm in a no irony zone. Yeah, that's why. Uh, yeah. I'm, if... Oh, aviators! I just look like a cop, like exactly yeah. like a cop. <laughs> Yeah, we can't pull that stuff. We have to let we have to let the younger generation have the irony. We just need to wear our clothes for function. They need to serve a purpose. If you're gonna have extra pockets, because you need extra pockets, because you're you know a fireman or something. I don't know. <laughs> when and if you're if you're you, whenever you enter a room, the first thing you do is look around to see if anything needs to be gaffed down. Sure. Yeah. Does anyone have any loose uh, screws or bolts they need me to tighten? Because I have something in my pocket that can do that. I got some loose screws. Uh, Well, I still try to rock the aging hipster because when I wear normcore clothes, my I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but my mutant superpower is the ability to look like the manager of whatever whatever institution I'm in. It doesn't (laughs) matter where I am. People come up to me and ask me questions, and if I say I'm not the manager – they get mad because they think I'm the manager who's on his break and pretending he's not the manager. <laughs> I bet you could walk into the kitchen of any Chili's in the Midwest <laughs> and just tell tell them that you need it. You need an extra or an extra half slab of baby back ribs to go, and they would just hand it to you. Just walk them out. Get them stat. Table four is really upset. Their their baby back ribs are cold. Oh, Give me sorry, some right boss. now. <laughs> <laughs> you must be from corporate. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so you so you feel like you need to, uh, to like kind of uh, stay on that that hipster yeah. ironic hipster look because otherwise you look like everybody's dad. I gotta wear like a I gotta wear like a Ramones shirt or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't make me look younger. It just makes me look like I'm not the manager. Because if it's a polo shirt, forget about it. Oh yeah, I can't. I feel like I can't wear polo shirts anymore. That uh, I'm gonna get stopped uh, at at the you know, Home Depot plumbing aisle and asked, you know, to ask where, where the elbow joints are or something. <laughs> Cause it happens all the time. I, I, and, uh, and I don't know why it's always at Home Depot or maybe it's the way that I'm looking at the shelves. Like I'm, I'm just so focused and I'm going through things and I don't know what it is, but there's a look that I, I kind of emote something that says I'm here to help you. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for something to purchase. I'm, I'm, Taking stock. Yeah. <laughs> God. Well, where are you with weight right now? Because you know you you fluctuate. Oh, I fluctuate. And I'm I'm on a bad I'm on a bad tear right now. I I I I'm motivated. Like I'm mentally ready to be to I I I've gained back everything that I lost, which I I swore I would never do. I was down to 192. Best I've ever felt. I was feeling like. Okay, I you know I was feeling somewhat not so round. I've always been you a were not round. Guy. You looked like oh gosh, who's the minister, the black minister who's always running for president? Uh, L. Sharpton. Now he's skinny. Now <laughs> he kind of looks like a he looks a little deflated though. Yeah, he's well, skinny, well, you, but he's you were wearing because you were wearing like short. You were you're coaching baseball and stuff, so you're yeah. always wearing like a cap and shorts, and you were in like make a wish mode. Yeah. Uh, I, well, because all my clothes were too way too big for me for a while. Um, because I was, you know, I had lost, I'd lost weight, but also all my clothes were baggy because I hadn't bought skinnier clothes yet. Mm-hmm. And so there was a while when I did look like some people were asking me if everything was okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, I saw some pictures of you, like you know, in a ball cap, like standing out, like walking out to the mound in shorts and a ball cap, and it really looked like a a production of your good man Charlie Brown could break out at any moment. <laughs> Ill-fitting everything. <laughs> well, the so, uh, and I'm gonna blame the move again. So as soon as we put our house in the market, and had to sell, it became such a stressful thing because we were under these this time deadline. To we we had actually we took a huge risk. We um, signed our our offer on the house we were buying uh, with no, um, I, gosh, it's been so long I forgot the word now. With no conditions, with no, what's the what's the official real estate term for that? Where you know we'll only buy if we sell our house. What the heck? I can't think of the term, but it's a condition. You know what I'm talking contingency? about? Contingency. Contingency. Uh, yes. Ah. There's no contingency. So even if we didn't sell our house, we were still bound to buy this house at least as much as if we didn't we would lose our earnest money which was a lot of money so we were really felt the pressure to sell and then we were trying to keep the house clean so we weren't like cooking you know healthy meals anymore because we wanted to keep it clean for showings so it became a lot of me like thinking well i'll just you know i'll grab this to eat i'll grab that to eat and then it was stress eating because that's what we do stress eating and it just crept right back up on me and then we had to you know, we were moving in. We we're unpacking. We'll get some pizza. We'll get some beer. The friends are helping. Get some beer. So it all came back. Came back with a vengeance. 
And, uh, but I, I, so I have this, it's so weird. I could feel it inside of me. Like I can feel the urge to really want to be not super duper in shape. Like I'm not looking to be, get ripped, but I feel unhealthy again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel like I'm, I, I just feel like I'm asking for, uh, I'm asking for, you know, the the left side of my body to go numb at any, at any time. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like I would feel guilty if something were to happen because I, I felt like it was my fault. Like I brought it on myself. You know, if I were to have um you know a heart attack or something like that. And I'm at that age, and we're at that age where a lot of our friends are having heart attacks. I have coworkers my age who have had heart attacks and missed two months of work. <clears throat> they were my age, but Gee, I. Gee, when you say you get to miss two months of work, it makes me think maybe I should. <laughs> Double down on the Italian beef tonight. Yeah, well, I guess uh, I guess it's not. It doesn't sound that threatening when all you have to do is miss a couple of months of work and you're you're okay. <laughs> but it means that you're more likely to get them again, aren't? Isn't it? Isn't that what that means? Once you get one, it's like heart attack party, right? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely on a list at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel. Uh, you know, I'm not in shape at the moment, and I got that feeling like I'm wearing a fishing vest full of lard. Mm-hmm. You know, where you just like you feel the extra body outside your body that you got to carry around with you. Yes. And, and when you're playing with your kids, you kind of wish you weren't playing with your kids. And then you hate mm-hmm. yourself for the impulse in you that wants you <laughs> to stop playing with your kids because you're just too fat and need to sit down. Yeah. So, yeah, spring break's coming up and I'm going to need to uh, get shit. But and my my old man had a grabber in the fall. Yeah, that's right. And got a that's double, right. double, triple bypass. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, he didn't didn't get any damage from the, the heart attack, but boy, when they got to saw you in half mm-hmm. to go in there and tinker with stuff, it's really the sawing you in half thing that takes a lot of recovery. Right. Isn't it though? Yeah. It, it's, it's very invasive. Um, how's it's he doing like, by the way? Oh, he's like doing his... great. He's doing great. And, uh, uh, we're getting together, going to the opera here pretty soon. Um, so he looks great. He's doing well. Uh, but you know, he's still, when he coughs, he it's, it's, I mean, it's a little comical, but it's like cough, cough. Ow. Because oh. it takes forever for your sternum to unbe sawed in half. Oh, yeah, that's oh, I can't. Oh, just thinking about that. The pain. Right? So, uh, so I don't know. So you must be feeling the way I am, where, uh, like every time I have to tie my shoes, I'm like, this isn't right. Like I shouldn't have to struggle this much to bend over. I shouldn't have to. And neither of us are like obese, but it's but uncomfortable. But you'd call fat guys, but like you do, no. you feel like you, you got to catch your breath a little bit because you pick yes. something up. Like oh, that's yeah. not how this is supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. I find myself always having one hand on something when I have to bend over. You know what I mean? Like that, I need that balance because it's just, right. yeah. So it's, uh, but I, I'm waiting for the, the aha moment. And I don't know what that is, but I, but I feel inside of me I'm, I'm, I hate myself enough that it might happen soon. <laughs> yeah, usually the aha moment is when there's a bunch of paramedics standing over you next to the breakfast bar at Shoney's. <laughs> hey, folks, you already shop on Amazon. Why not put those dollars to work keeping this show on the air occasionally? Do it by using the Amazon portal on the support page at fraternitypodcast.com. You just type in what you're looking for. It takes you through to Amazon. Buy what you were going to buy. They know you came through the portal. We get a little cut, and we use that to pay for the boops and beeps, uh, you know, posting the show, 
etc., uh, etc. Et You've been using Amazon there, Toddler? Yeah, it's a, I still love our Amazon. It's funny that we were just talking about you and I wanting to lose weight because I am looking for ways to help Alex gain weight. Um, as he's uh, he's a sophomore now in high school, still very active in baseball, and now that he's uh, in in season and, and kind of burning a lot of calories, I want to up his calorie intake so that he can actually maybe use some of this to bulk up a little bit. You know, he still does workouts, and so he's pretty lanky. I mean, he looks he looks like your son, but he's built. What is he about seven feet tall and about one hundred twenty five pounds? Yeah, he's still got he's still pretty skinny. So he is. Uh, but he's slowly, I mean, he's got muscle, but he doesn't have meat on his bones. So it's different. Like he's got lean muscle. He's got a lot of lean muscle. But as a baseball player, I think he wants a little more of that, like the, the, the bulk in the shoulders. You know what I mean? I don't know what, I don't know if, uh, if I'm describing that right. But so we're trying to bulk, we're trying to up the calorie count. Um, so you were 18 when I met you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, and you look like John Denver like a teenage John Denver and, yeah. but you Accurate. had a, a weird amount of muscle and I don't know what it was from working on your mom's pirate ship, but like you looked like, you know, every once in a while on like Twitter, there'll be pictures of a muscular baby, like mm-hmm. a baby that's jacked. <laughs> like that's how you look. You look like a very young 18, but you had like a six pack and like weird. It was, it was strange. It, like you look like a Photoshop because you had, had like, E-Man's body with, with a, a, a baby John Denver's head on it. I've always had lar- like very large forearms. And <laughs> I think <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, it is like Popeye forearms. And I think that was from working on, on ships with my mom because so much of like, like pulling ropes and coiling ropes and painting and sanding and varnishing is just all that upper body shoulder forearm work that, that really like in high school, that's I gained a lot of muscle doing that. Saber fights with brigands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, climbing the ratlins and hoisting the sails and mm-hmm. loading fur- the twenty-pound guns, furling the jibs. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, and I'm not sure why. And I wouldn't say I, I bulked up. I was always a skinny, like skinny, but but muscular um, in high school. And and Alex is it's t- way taller than I was. I mean, I I'm a lot taller than I am now. And uh, so he's kind of just hasn't grown into the hasn't filled that out yet. And uh, so we're trying to up the calorie count. So we're looking for like protein bars. Problem is protein bars are all covered and dipped and crammed with chocolate to cover the bad taste of the whey protein. Right. Or the clay taste. Like yeah, very clay, much. Yeah. So we want these for him to like eat right after right after a game, right after a practice, just to like get the calories in get the protein in so it maybe helps build the muscle as opposed to him burning off all those calories in the workout, you know, and just burning off calories. You know, I, we're trying to build build the muscle. So anyway, I'm sure that I'm not doing this the right way, but we just want to up the calorie count in general. So we're having a hard time finding anything that's not chocolate flavored because he doesn't like chocolate. If you remember this, Alex doesn't like chocolate. Yeah, he never has. No. So, <laughs> so I did find a protein bar. Um... Oddly, it is a birthday cake flavored protein bar. It's a pure protein bar <laughs> is the brand. I found it on Amazon. It is 20 grams of protein, okay. only 3 grams of sugars, and 200 calories uh, for one bar. 
and it's it it looks like the it looks like yellow cake, but I think it's got more. You know, obviously that's where all the protein is, but then it's dipped in some kind of vanilla frosting, which is <clears throat> excuse me, dipped in a vanilla frosting, which is great for him because he doesn't like the chocolate, and then it has sprinkles on it. I don't know. I guess it's uh, he said that actually tastes like cake uh, and sprinkles too. Candles? Are there candles? You know, I thought about putting candles in there. You know, so I think maybe. Uh, Maybe next year for his birthday, we make him a protein birthday cake. Like, just stack them all together, glue them <laughs> together, and stick candles on. Did you see the way Mitt Romney blew out his birthday candles for on his Twinkie cake he got? Oh, God. Now, I didn't listen with the sound on. First of all, I feel like they were trolling him, giving him a Twinkie cake. Like, the mm-hmm. whitest man that ever his lived. His own staff? What's his favorite snack? He was so happy. Really? It's really his favorite. Because if, if I were to make up what, what Mitt Romney's <laughs> favorite snack is... I would say Twinkies because they're processed, corporate, and white. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so now they, they I sing don't, him happy I do birthday. Like they sing him happy birthday. They put the cake down. And he goes, "Well, look at this. Isn't it great?" And then he picks up one candle. There's like forty candles, however many how old he is. He starts picking the candles out of the cake one at a time while they're lit. He picks one up, blows it out. Picks another one up, blows it out. Picks another one out of the cake, blows it out. And he's doing them one at a time. He doesn't just blow all the candles out on the cake. I don't get it. Is this how, like, did Joseph Smith do this? Is this, uh, uh, is this a germ thing? Like, does he not want to blow his it. germs onto the Twinkies and then pass the Twinkies out around the office? Maybe he was so worried about getting, like, going viral on a video where he spits all over his Twinkie cake. Right. Or, like, his teeth come out his or something like fall that. out, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he had a cold. His thing. hair, his toupee flips over <laughs> onto the candles and lights on fire when he blows them out. His hair was looking a little rough. I mean, he was sort of famous for having a really solid head of kind of game show host hair. And it was, I don't know, his hair's seen better days. But it didn't catch on fire because he only went one one candle at a time. And then, of course, you also have a handful of hot, dripping wax. Yeah, because I think he did drop a couple of the candles because I think he got a little, little, maybe that's what he was liked about it. You know? it's like Oh, yeah, he, he he liked the the wax burn. What was that Madonna movie that was a knockoff of Basic Instinct? Body of Evidence? Yes. And who's who's the man? Oh, is, it, is it Willem Dafoe? Am I making I that up? I think so, yeah, because I feel like, didn't they date for a while after that or something? I don't know. It uh, checks out. And the, uh, the, yeah, there's some hot wax action in that mm-hmm. film. So maybe Mitt Romney's a Body of Evidence man. Do they give him grief about it in the office, the interns and stuff? I didn't, you know, after I saw him pick, after about the fourth candle in a row, I'm like, that's what's going on here. And I had to, sh- I had to shut it down. <laughs> right. This man is 65 years old. I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Well, Viva's like food of choice in the world right now is fiber one cookies and cream bars to the exclusion of all other foods. Like she'll wake up at six in the morning. She'll say, can I have a bar? And I'll say, no, you have to have a breakfast food. And then she'll say, can I have a bar for lunch? And it's been quite some time now. She hasn't gotten sick of them. And when we've tried to give her Cliff bars, and she's generally underweight. Mm -hmm. And when we try and give her protein bars, she says, these are disgusting. And I say, why won't you eat it? And she says, you try it, stupid old man. And then I try (laughs) it, and it tastes like you should be mushing it into the shape of Lionel Richie's head. (laughs) That's true. The So... uh... So the fiber one bars though does that does that affect the bathroom? Uh, does she have more regular, or less regular? Like what what's going on? I with think that? she oh, always needs fiber. that. I think she kind of leans towards uh, 
being stopped up. So the occasional fiber one bar is not going to do any damage to her. Gotcha. Uh, and I haven't had fiber in probably 20 years, so I should probably eat a few myself because, uh, I, I don't know, uh, the absence of vegetables in my life might uh, might merit a fiber one bar from time to time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's uh, she, she's okay. It just seems like, I don't know, it seems like at some point you should eat actual food and not call me yeah. old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to just good old carrots and peas? <laughs> right. I mean, I'm no raw fooder, but it seems like if you're only eating food replacement all the time, at some point you just become cancer with feet. Hey, if you like the paternity test, please help us tell other people about it. Subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. It's quick and easy and helps other listeners find us. And by now, they might have deleted all our old reviews because we haven't had a show in so long. We'll need we some fresh check. ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can read our weekly paternity test blog at chicagoparent.com and our monthly column, the once again award-winning Viva Daddy. Just last week at the National Parenting Media Association Awards, Viva Daddy won the silver medal for uh, best column in uh, wow. Chicago Parent Magazine. Uh, and that's in the Chicago Parents in the big the big circulation category because it's a big city. Mm-hmm. And... That is, uh, of course, I told my daughter, hey, I won the silver medal at the National Parenting Media Association Awards. And her first question was, well, who won the gold? Oh, man. She just, yeah. she stuck the knife in and twisted it. Mm-hmm. I, I tried, I, before I even said it, I thought, how can I word this in such a way that does not, you know, <laughs> does not raise the question, who won the gold? But there's no real way to if answer If you're not that. first, you're last. I am the first loser. <laughs> uh, but the gold winner is always someone else at Chicago Parent, actually. Marianne wow. Walsh, who writes the, the Failing with Gusto column, uh, seems to have that award locked up for a, the better part of a decade. Um, and she's a doll, so no no problem losing to her. Um, but it is available wherever people are saving towards bribing college admissions counselors someday. Uh, so uh, we're, we're, we haven't, you know, uh, given some updates here, so... You're, that goes right into where we are. You're talking about college, and, and I mean, if, if if Felicity Huffman and Aunt Becky need to bribe colleges to bribe coaches and test takers and proctors to get their kids into college, uh, I I really don't know um, what we're gonna do uh, with Alex. We're just starting to look at, and and he's a he's a good student, but I, I guess for me, my big fear is is the cost. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And they've got money to burn. They're paying $500,000 just to get their kid admitted, and then they're going to pay full price for the college. Right. And I guess, I mean, you, you know what, though? Part of me wants to let that continue. Like, please, let some people pay the bribes and make giant donations to the schools to get their kids in who don't want to be there anyway, because then maybe there'll be a little more scholarship money for my kid. Right. You want as many people paying full freight as humanly yeah. possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely want. I want all the kids of all the cast of Full House paying full price. <laughs> at, at 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 and make and having to make. Now, whatever happened? Like, why do they have to bribe? Why can't they just make a large donation to the school and the school goes? Oh, okay, we'll admit your kid. Like, uh, you know, I actually uh, have an answer to that because I was reading the the FBI uh, mm-hmm. transcripts of the phone calls. Uh, which with great schadenfreude and incidentally like they caught the big fish and they had him call everybody back to get 
you know, they flip yeah. the dude. And then, like, if someone ever calls you and says, hey, remember when we Let's did all those crimes? About that crime. Let's talk about that cr- all those crimes. Yeah. Tell me. <laughs> Would you say the- when we did those crimes that you were fully aware that they were crimes? <laughs> no, no, in your own words. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, that, that does seem a little fishy. <laughs> But he said, hey, look, you can do the front door, the back door, or the side door. He said the front door is applying to the school and getting your kid in. But mm-hmm. since, you know, even though you're rich, it's uh, you know, like like the William H. Macy, Felicity Huffman. They're, uh, they're both actors. And actors are not famous for being smart. <laughs> but they're rich because they're very good at acting. So their yeah. progeny might not be. That's true. You know, men. Well, they material. said her. When when she took the test the second time, it went up four hundred points. So I think she got a fourteen sixty two or fourteen ninety two, <laughs> which means she got a ten ninety two the first time she took the, the SAT. Oof. So, you know, fifteen grand to bump it up. Yeah. Well, he said the back, you know, the back doorway in is is institutional advancement, meaning you give. This is yeah. Jared Kushner. How Jared Kushner got into Penn? His parents gave two and a half million dollars to the school. And then they let your kid in. So that and that's legal. So if you yeah. want to give millions to a school, if you want to buy a building oh, so or name something, you can always get your idiot kid into the school. But he said the side door is you bribe a couple of people and you pay me, you know, my margin, yeah. and you buy some fake water polo equipment on Amazon to, for the picture <laughs> I need to take. That's the best. <laughs> and so this will get your kid in for five hundred thousand instead of two point five million. Yeah. So that's why. And all these coaches who are just trying to fund their like underfunded sports because they're not football. It's like it's like the the crew team and the tennis coach and the water <laughs> polo team. I mean, they're just like ah, I'm gonna give you know they obviously they're taking some of the money for themselves too. I'm sure it's a bribe, but they're also I think giving some putting some of that money into their program. From what I, the way I read it is that like they'd make a don some of it would go as a donation to the program, and the rest goes to the coach in his mm-hmm. pocket. And then he tells the recruiter, he tells the admissions office, I'm recruiting this kid. He's got to get in. They let him in, and the kid never shows up to a, to a single thing. But he got in. That's I the like the kids, the kids who didn't know that their parents did this. Oh, do you think their any advisors, of them? Uh, Sure. Like some of their, the kids were like, hey, my advisor said to me today, so you're a big track star. And I'm like, well, I've never, you know, <laughs> never run away from a stray dog. And, uh, and they're completely baffled. Uh, or the the parents in some of these phone calls, the the consultant dude is like, okay, you're gonna get a letter for athletic orientation. You need to intercept that letter because <laughs> oh your gosh. kid's not gonna know why he's getting that. Wow, that's amazing. It's amazing. So uh, so Alex is it now? He's a sophomore, so he's looking at schools mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what he wants to do. And you would think that, you know. Kelly and I both have, you know, my wife's been a teacher, you know, since, well, for 18 years, right? So, uh, so she should have her, you know, kind of finger on the pulse of this whole process. And I've been around schools forever and, and we still feel just as lost as anybody else. Wow. I, I still feel like I don't know where to even begin. Well, the things that I feel like have changed in the 20 years since we've been out of college uh, that freak me out. One is the number of schools kids apply to now. Mm-hmm. Like we applied. I think I applied to three, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I might have uh, four. Well, four, because my first three, I got zero financial aid. So I went then to North Central mm-hmm. for, as my fourth. 
Mm-hmm. But it, three was kind of like what they told you, like, oh, pick two, or, pick pick three schools. That's kind of felt like makes sense, right? Like a stretch, a fallback, and and one in the middle. Yeah. But now kids yeah. seem to apply to twelve schools, and that's what's an application fee these days. Oh yeah, that'd be like a hundred bucks or something. Or so it seems like a multi thousand dollar proposition, just the applications, and it seems like all kids, as far as these test scores and stuff, like now that everybody does get coached within an inch of their life. I feel like every school's average ACT score is about one point higher than the ACT goes. Mm-hmm. At what point is everybody getting such a high ACT score, such a high inflated, inflated grade uh, GPA, and have such packed resumes of everything from activities to charity work that everybody cancels each other out, you know? So that's one concern I have about Alex is that he's so focused on baseball, he's not involved in anything else. And I'm like, you need to find a club to be in, dude. Like, you're going to look very uh, one-sided if all the only thing you have on your resume is that I, I played baseball, I umpired baseball, I coached baseball, I baseball, baseball. And, like, you got to find a club and, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even know what clubs would be worth your time to go to i don't know i mean there's plenty of them you gotta find something you're interested in i guess but even if it's like go to games club or something i don't know e-sports. what clubs were you in in high school oh yeah esports they all have esports clubs now birthday it, cake protein bar appreciation society absolutely absolutely we have a i've seen uh uh we have like a like a pet they raise money to for the for the pet shelters we have them, uh, I don't know, there's like a magic, you know, society of high school magicians. <laughs> You're making that up. <laughs> Maybe I am. Maybe <laughs> I'm not. I'm sworn to secrecy. <laughs> I would. You're right. You can't. Uh, a, a magician, magician never tells. <laughs> I feel like I could sponsor that club because that's my great fear as I get older is that I'm starting to look like a magician. Like I just. <laughs> Something like a little bit seedy about me and a little bit dramatic and a little bit like full of myself. Like there's just something about the way my beard is and the way my eyebrows are. I just I just look like an aging magician. Probably because you always wear a vest under your, you know, always looks like you can just pull a scarf out that never ends. Yeah. And I do have a top hat that pops up. (laughs) (laughs) And you always bring around an assistant. He just follows you around and pushing a box. And that's that's weird. Mm-hmm. Gotta admit, no matter uh, where I am, I can make the song. I uh, holding out for a hero, come blasting out, and and then I levitate. <laughs> uh, so there's, so I'm I'm feeling overwhelmed. I can't imagine how Alex feels about all this, but I'm feeling overwhelmed by by college, and I'm trying to balance how much I get involved versus how much he has to be responsible for. Um, it was different for me. My parents were not involved in my college process at all. They were, they hadn't really done it. I think my dad did some community college. Um, you know, my uh, other, my mom, my stepmom didn't go to college, so they didn't really know anything about the process. So it was, I was just making it up as I went along. And so now I feel like I can help Alex a little bit, but I also want him to make some, like make some decisions on his own here. And, uh, he still, you know, part of him still wants to play baseball in, in college, which is a, a great goal to have. Is that an option? Uh, like for money? I mean, I'm sure he can play baseball in college, well, but like, can he get paid to? 
Is that a thing? Well, ba- baseball scholarships, even at Division One schools, the most they give you is like a unless you unless you are definitely going to the major leagues, you'll get like a half a scholarship because they have to divide them all up because they only get eleven, and they might have a roster of thirty kids. Oh, geez. So they can divide them in half and in quarters. So you get like a quarter scholarship, a half a scholarship. And then they might fi- help you find some other academic scholarships to help cover more of the cost. But, but yeah, I mean, it's it's possible for sure. Yeah, and not even there, but, you know, Division two schools, um, NAIA schools, and Division three schools, they can't give you a scholarship, but they can definitely put together some good financial aid packages for you if they want you to play. Right. right. They, can't, they can't say the money you're getting for baseball, but they can yeah. find a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all academic scholarships and service scholarships and nice hair scholarships and mm-hmm. just get them all. So, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the where the Alex where Alex is right now. Ellie and you know Ellie's now a teenager, and and everything that comes with a teenager. And uh, I'm pretty sure she hates me. Mm-hmm. Um, every once in a while, I'll see I'll see flashes of the old Ellie, but she's. Definitely a different girl than she was a year and a half ago. Just a surly you know, ball of hatred. A little bit, a little, you know, and, and just, just gone. Like we don't see her. She's in her room. She, she. We moved to this house. She's got a really nice room in this house, and she doesn't ever want to leave it. And uh, and so it's one of those, you know, she comes home, runs upstairs, door closes. Call her down for dinner. She'll come down, eat the dinner, runs upstairs, door closes. Now, is she snapping chats up there, or is she just? Oh, I'm like, sure. Yeah, the babysitters the, club. What do girls do in a room with the door closed? I'm sure most. It's all, you know, it's all Snapchat and FaceTime. Mm-hmm. You know, with her friends, she's talking to her friends the whole time. And uh, so we're trying to wear the wear the the ear the AirPods. No, I no. I, like, I, are I you, don't, you don't allow it, or they don't? I wouldn't do allow it, it because. How long would it take before one of those things falls on the ground walking to school? And it's, you know, that's not, no. You can have a wire coming out of your phone going to your earbuds if you want. Uh, there's no AirPods me, happening. I mean, remember several years ago when the 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 greatest shibboleth of douchebaggery was mm-hmm. the Bluetooth? And it was for yeah. adults. Like, adults walking through a store yammering into their Bluetooth. You know, buy, sell. And you said, ah, I... Thank you for that sign. Like, thank you for the indicator to let me know that I should hate you. Well, now yeah. kids with the 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 earpod, the AirPod, and I can't keep an AirPod in my. I don't know if I have malformed ear canals, <laughs> but like they they they're immediately rejected, like like unwanted bone marrow. And uh, uh, but I see kids with it, and you just put one in, and then you walk around, and it's definitely some kind of kind of. Mm-hmm. Screw yeah, you, status adult, symbol. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, I think status, and it's like a look at me. I'm a teenager. Like I, I think it might be a little bit of an escape. Like I can always. I'm not. It's saying to the people looking at you, I'm not fully inter- uh, listening to you. Yeah, like I'm still well, in my. And own a lot of times they are actually on a call, and I've I've noticed this with a lot of teenagers that they'll be on a FaceTime call, but not talking to the person. They they just have the call on while they're holding the phone, walking, and oh, maybe see, they'll this... talk. Sometimes they don't. It, like it just makes me feel very old because because I don't see the appeal and too old <laughs> because it makes me angry like the way an old must have felt when kids watched MTV yeah like I don't get it I don't want to get it it makes my blood pressure go up I see you with your AirPods on and I want to just like grab you by the scruff of the neck and throw you into Lake Michigan and that when I feel that kind of sort of <laughs> irrational 
irascibility, I go, oh, look, you're an old man. Like, you, you hate things teenagers do. <laughs> uh, so I feel like this this year especially has been like where we've hit that teenage <laughs> angsty because she uh, and I feel like maybe she's going to come out of it next year. But but it got to the point where I was really getting concerned. I was getting concerned about just the the fact that she like the lack of interaction she was having with either us or anyone else. I'm not sure. Cause she would just be in her room and she wouldn't really make plans with friends. She had friends, but they would, didn't really hang out. And, um, uh, I'm sure she would die if she knew I was saying this, but she does, she did have a boyfriend for a little while. And, Oh my goodness. And, uh, you know, but it was the weirdest in terms of, it, it was entitled only, I think, because even I said, I'm like, if this kid's your boyfriend, like have him come over for dinner or something. And there was, that was shut down immediately. That wasn't going to happen. I like that you're pushing the boyfriend I know. to me. So you guys, do, like, you guys like doing stuff? Yeah. What kind of stuff? No, we're not doing stuff. Well, you should be if he's your boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I do. For a while, I felt like I was kind of pushing that. Like, you know, you guys want me to drive you to the movies? Huh? <laughs> I'll buy the popcorn. So it was. Uh... Made you guys a romantic mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little sad when it ended because I, I liked the kid. I met him once. Seemed nice. Um, did it end what? messily? Did it end poorly? No, no. I think it was. I think it was fine. Like it wasn't even as. It wasn't even drama. Like I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your first, and then it ends. And but she was just like, eh. And I think that's kind of the way it is. I don't know that the, the the relationships begin and end on Snapchat and and uh, texting, and so there's not a lot of emotional connection there <laughs> you know wow <laughs> it really isn't i don't think there is how much can you you know uh, how much can you really be connected to somebody if you're only ever you know sending out of focus pictures of yourself looking straight have you seen so uh, i'm just such an old man yells at cloud thing but but uh you know i i have snapchat i don't use it a ton but i have it and i but the way the kids use it is, you know, the they just back and forth. It's the streaks, really. But they're just going back and forth with not really. Sometimes they'll text communicate. But a lot of times it's the mostly what it is, is out of focus pictures of like looking up at your face as you're doing whatever you're doing. And then they just send it. Oh, I would never send that because you'd see my double chin. If I'm going to yeah. send you an out-of-focus out picture, like it's going to be from, it's just like above my eyeline. Yeah, jeez, God. Like they don't care. Yeah, they just send bad pictures of themselves to each other. To keep the streak going. Yeah. Well, when I discovered Snapchat, like sort job. of ironically, originally, mm-hmm. I was sending snaps back and forth with my friend Robert, and we got a streak going sort of accidentally, and it, but it got so... I understand why they feel a pressure, this artificial pressure to not your street. I mean, this is what apps are. They're designed to be addictive, right? They're designed to keep you coming back. And yeah. we looked at our numbers. We're like, well, we can't break the streak on this meaningless app for children that we're on. <laughs> so then you've got to find a reason to send the snap. So then it's just a picture of you looking tired, putting your tie on for work or whatever, or like riding yeah. in your car, singing along. No to, sub- yeah. No, no content. Uh, and I went to China over the summer for for a couple of weeks to to do some some teaching and directing, and uh, thought, well, there goes our streak because I'm in China and I can't mm-hmm. snap. Well, then I discovered the magical world of you know VPNs and stuff and kept that streak going 
through China. And I thought, oh, no, I kept the streak going, which means now if I if I could not kill it in China, now I'm going to have to keep this on until one of us dies. And that will break the streak, our death. But the day I got back from China, I messed up. Jet, well, let's blame it on jet lag. And uh, broke the streak. And it was it felt oh. it felt like a death. <laughs> oh, how, he must have been very sad about that. I think he was pretty disappointed in me. Yeah. I mean, you can't articulate it because it's all, you know, all streaks will end eventually. So, and then what are you going to have at the end of that? Like, okay, we had a three year streak and then it ends, but we what didn't was... even take a screen cap of the number. That's no. a real tragedy. <laughs> well, I think you start to and rank what would the you with that, I guess, but frame it and give it to each other on our birthdays, mm. put it up in the office. Happy snap streak. Yeah, got little flames by it, little flame icons or whatever. Allie's another one that I worried about with the same thing as Alex. Like, no, there's no club involvement at school. I'm like, find a club, go stay after school, do something. Like, stop coming home and just putting on your pajamas. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I like to get involved in something. And, and, and maybe it's because we're such, I think Kelly and I are such homebodies. Like, we love to do exactly what Ellie does. Come home, put on the pajamas, and chill. It's not like we go to book club and I go to, you know, I go to hang with my buddies and, you know, we don't come home and, like, have other activities. We come home and try it most not to interact with, try our best not to interact with anybody else the rest of the night outside of our own house. Yeah, and that's not, that's not oldness. You guys were like that when you were 20. Yeah, we were never social, like... If you put us on a couch with a blanket and and a, and a good TV show, and you've made our night. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm hoping that uh, she does have some nice friends that I really like now, and I feel like this going into eighth grade, she'll kind of figure herself out a little bit and realize that you know I it's okay to put yourself out there a little bit and to be in a club and and try out for things and you know but it's it's got to be hard i've told her i've had some talks with her we've had some serious talks about things you know whether it's just stupid teenage stuff same stuff and and i keep telling her i go look junior high sucks like i'm sure being a teenage girl in junior high sucks a lot i get it like i totally get it so you know but you know you got to be willing to at least talk to me and your mom and you know, we're not, we're, we're here for you all the time. So, uh, just, you know, fight the good fight, <laughs> get through junior high. Here's a fanny pack full of mango jewel pods. Give these to people. <laughs> you'll be popular. Oh gosh. Uh, so, so last time, this is funny cause we had ep- our last episode. You were so excited to tell us, uh, you were taking Viva to a Paul McCartney concert. <laughs> And you're like, I can't wait till the next episode because uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait to tell you how everything went at the Paul McCartney concert. And that was a year, a year and a half ago. <laughs> so yeah, how was the Paul McCartney concert a year and a half ago? I don't uh, even, I haven't even been told this story yet. I think I saw a picture of uh, Viva at the concert. I remember that, like uh, on your shoulders, maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, I went, I went with my folks and with Viva. So it was very, it felt like a very like sacramental mm-hmm. experience you know i mean generational paul, yes and paul mccartney like certainly the like the beatles have been a big a, a big part of my life and probably as close to religion 
as I have. As a matter of fact, it was sort of bribery. Like if I woke up to go to church with my grandma, my dad would put on breakfast with the Beatles on CKG and make me breakfast. So, yeah. and in the takeaway for all those Sunday mornings for me was not mass. It was, it was the Beatles. So to, to go and get to see Paul McCartney, all of us together was this really sort of magical thing. And so Viva knew, you know, she, we've always had the Beatles in the house. So she kind of knows the Beatles names and, and knows a lot of the songs. And I think a lot of kids do. I think the Beatles is something that a lot of parents <laughs> push on their kids. Sure. I mean, she had she had Beatles lullaby CDs when she was still in a crib. So she's five at this concert, and she's really enjoying herself. And we're we got uh, we're dancing. You know, we got lawn seats, and he gets to always in concert. He does the song here today, which is a song about his relationship with John, post posthumously. Oh. Um, if you were here today. Uh, okay, and it's yeah. it's sad. And so he says, uh, you know, his this song's uh, in memory of me, so, my friend John, me mate John Flubadoob here today. And he starts to sing. And I feel a tug on my sleeve. And I look down and it's Viva and her eyes are all big. And she says, Daddy, what happened to John? Oh, and, no. And I realize we've never talked about this. So I'm like, oh, he he died, sweetie. And then I start li- keep listening to the song. Um what about the time we cried? And I feel a, a, a tug. And I look down. She says, how did he die, Daddy? And I thought, well, do I say it? And I said, you know what, sweetie? He got he got murdered. A bad guy killed him. Oh. I, I probably shouldn't have said that. But, uh, I mean, she's looking all around, and people are crying. People are sobbing. <laughs> she tugs again. Killed him how? Oh, he got shot with a gun. And she's really sensitive about oh. guns. She's been in a code white already. You know, it's a modern child. Like, children are afraid of guns because they should be, and they're everywhere. And so she's now she's freaked out. Oh, my gosh, John got, 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 got killed by a bad guy. I said, well, it was a long time ago, sweetie. The bad guy's in jail. He's never getting out. Let's listen to the song. So she listens to the song. And then the next song, he says, that was for me, mate, John. This next song's for George. Uh, it's, it's his song, Something. I miss you, George. And he starts singing something in the way he moves. Yeah. Tug, tug, oh. tug. <laughs> she says, Daddy, what happened to George? I said, oh, sweetie, he, he died too. She says, somebody shot George? <laughs> somebody shot George. Is that he said, he got sick. He got sick and died. He got sick and died. Okay, all right. She sits there. She thinks to herself, Tug, tug, tug. I look down. What, what, sweetie? Is Ringo okay? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> we still have Ringo. <laughs> you can hear back off Boogaloo anytime you want. <laughs> the all-star band will be here next week with <laughs> members of Sugarloaf and the Dave Clark Five. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess when you when you raise your kids on that music a little bit, you you. You know, unless you are a hardcore uh, that you want to teach them the history, but you just want to them to enjoy the music. And mm-hmm. I bet my kids don't really know. I'm, I'm sure my son does now. Uh, but, you know, what happened to John Lennon? And so, yeah. <laughs> and why not learn it at the concert in the middle of a song about how much uh, you miss him? Miss him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't I mean, I guess you handled it right. Because what are you going to do? Just like say, oh, we'll talk about it later or. He, he died of sadness. Like I don't know. Just, like, 
medically he's fine, but he yeah. died of a broken heart. Yeah, I I don't uh, I don't with Viva she's tenacious. So if I didn't tell he's, her, she'd be tucking out of my sleeve yeah. for the rest of the concert. And yeah, I don't think it disturbed her too much because by the time he got to live and let die and all the flash pots and fireworks were going off, oh, I took yeah. a video. It's great. She's sleeping on the mat what? and all the fireworks and all the flash pots you could ever imagine are going off. And there's a five-year-old dead asleep to the world in the blanket. So <laughs> evidently she got over it. <laughs> uh, so now, so that was a year and a half ago. So Viva is now even older. Mm-hmm. And She's like, um, the big change is she can read, which means it's harder to oh, hide hard, things from harder to lie and hide things. Yeah, and we still do the like in the car. My wife will be like, "Do you think we should go to J U M P Z O N E today?" And she'll be like, "Jump zone!" And we'll go right. Uh, you can read. <laughs> uh, and she largely, I mean, she's still a little kid, uh, which is great. You know, when her friends come over, they dress like princesses and they run around, and kids still cry, and she mm-hmm. still. You know, we still give her baths. Like we still have a tiny child at home, um, but uh, we now. But you don't call child. her Baby Viva anymore. Well, I do. You still but still say I the baby. I, we still say the baby. Like, where's the? Uh, are we gonna get this for the baby? Like, and then it confuses everyone. <laughs> yeah. Is it like you had another kid? No. No, no. it's our seven-year-old. Yep. <laughs> Turn into Jerry Orbach in Dirty Dancing. <laughs> uh, but the baby is now. She's like a Dalek. Like the bottom half of her body is a, is a hoverboard like she's never not oh. on a hoverboard oh yeah it'll be six in the morning and i'll just feel like a whew, like a little breeze will go past in me. your house in we've never well let's see we got it for christmas santa brought it and oh, santa and uh it's been the weather hasn't been the snow on the ground and yeah. it's march now and there's still snow on the ground so we've and don't forget the potholes well, God, it's like the earth opened up, right? Like you're expecting like a dune worm to come out of the out of the pavement. Cause, well, it's weird. It's weird what happens in Chicago when the weather changes. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the, the, the roads just start to gape. Uh, so she, we just let her ride it in the house because there's no. It's not like there's little pea gravel in the wheels. It's going to ruin the hardwood. She's just zipping yeah. around, uh, and it's got little uh, rubber bumpers on it. Um, so she and the stuff she can do on it, like she can. She can on the fly pick a penny up off the floor without stopping. Like she can crouch, wow. go to a full crouch, pick up a flat piece of paper, stand back up, and never stop. And I don't. And her, the learning curve, there wasn't one. She got on it, and boom, she was riding that thing everywhere. I've ridden around on it, and this, this means I can never break two hundred pounds because I think that's what it well, will yield. But I that- can't get on and off of it. That's what I really wanted to know. I mean, it's not it's not that impressive that Viva's good on it. Like she's a small child, and they should be good on it. I want to know how good you are on it. I might, but uh, the first time, the very first time, and this is very reminiscent of when I got a skateboard for Christmas in junior high. I got a skateboard and a pair of pants, and other things too. But like, I put on my new pants, and I got my skateboard, and I went on the driveway. Immediately fell off the skateboard and ripped the pants, and I got on her. Hoverboard Christmas afternoon stepped on it. And the thing is, it's the it's very sensitive. It's got gyroscopes in it and the foot pads are the things that make it turn. So okay. if you put more weight on one foot and it's so sensitive, you don't feel like you're doing it feels like it's telepathically like it's reading your mind. Yeah. Yes. Because the, the weight changes are so subtle. 
all you have to do is kind of insinuate that you're going someplace and it takes you there. But if you put one foot on it to get on, it goes into a spin. Mm -hmm. And so I got on it. It spun in a circle. It threw me into a door jam and cut my arm. (laughs) How are you supposed to get on those? I don't know. Like jump on it? How does Viva get on it? I think she puts it by a couch and she like pushes up with her arms, just puts her little feet on it. And then she just kind of jumps off it at the end and it stops. So I can't get off and on the damn thing. But once I'm on it, I'm pretty good. Oh, I've never been able to try one of those. And I I feel like I really want to, but I also feel like I really would hurt myself. Uh, Probably both. I mean, it's very satisfying and a great (laughs) way to get hurt, especially when the batteries die, because that's the real. I don't think they burst into flame anymore, but which is nice. That's but, good. That's a good feature to, you know, not have. Same yeah. same thing as not wanting your airplanes to take nose dives out of nowhere. <laughs> right, right. You know, simple it's the simple things in life. Little things. Planes little. that don't fall out of the sky and and hoverboards that don't explode. But you know when the battery is dead because you are flying forward off of it at fifteen miles an hour. <laughs> it just stops. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a good warning system. There's no mistaking that one, at least. No. Oh, my battery's dead. I know, because I'm sliding across the concrete, bleeding all the way. Oh, the road rash. <laughs> Social media isn't just for throwing cheese at babies. It's also for us. Like our page on Facebook, share our posts, and follow us on Pinterest, on Instagram at The Paternity Test, and on Twitter at The Dad Test. And if you prefer more long-form correspondence, you can send us a question or comment for The Paternity Test mailbag. Just email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com. All right, folks. Here it is. A nice long-form interview. Speaking of long form, uh, we're doing our fresh air thing here. This is a pretty straight ahead uh, interview with Scott Durbin, Mover Scott from the Imagination Movers. So if you are a fan of the Imagination Movers, if your kids are or were fans of the Imagination Movers, if you like live music, if you are a creative, if you are a musician, this is uh, a fantastic interview. Uh, and you'll get to hear about uh, about some uh, Louisiana sports as well. Todd talks to, to Scott about their their fandom. And if you have younger kids that haven't gotten into the Imagination Movers yet, it's a great time to do that because they're, uh, you could still catch episodes on the Disney app. They're still there. They are uh, really a great show for, for kids it's, and for parents. It's, it's not too kiddie-like. It's not, you know, the music is, is catchy and, and good. So uh, you might listen to this and check out their app and, and want to take your kid to the show as, an, as a way to get them into the Imagination Movers. Yeah, it's a, I, I took Viva to a show in Louisville uh, a couple summers ago, and we had a wonderful time. And I'm an unabashed fan and an unironic fan. I mean, the show's funny, but they're, they're touring in service of their album, So Glad You're Here. And they're rockers, and you know they're, they are came of age in the 90s like most of our listeners. Mm-hmm. So they have the same musical influences as... Um, many of the people that we are talking to right now. So really, it's great music. It's got a lot of ska feel in it, and then a lot of uh, feel of a lot of rock bands that you probably enjoy. I don't know. It's it's really great music. So um, you should give it a give it a whirl. See if the kids dig it. 
Um, and the live show is incredible. So go to imaginationmovers.com for tickets on March 30th in Chicagoland, or you can go to vidamtheater.org. Uh, I hope you'll catch the show. I'll be there. God, oh, they're really good. And if you're afraid that if you hear the interview that it will uh, you know, dis, uh, disillusion you to your love of the movers because you'll, you'll you know, hear a, I don't know, a fussy musician or a, a rude celebrity. Um, th- these guys are as nice as you would want them to be, and Scott is, is <laughs> uh, as cool an interview as you'd, you'd hope them to be. So uh, don't be afraid of listening. <laughs> All right, here's Scott Durbin of the Imagination Movers. All right, paternity test listeners and Chicago parent readers, we are very excited about the guests that we are speaking to Tonight, if you are the parent of a young child or you have been the parent of a child in the past decade, decade and a half, then no doubt you know the Imagination Movers. They are a Louisiana-based rock band. They make music for kids and for parents as well. And for three seasons, they had a show on the Disney Channel, which is still on the Disney Now app where kids are continuing to become big fans. They've just released their 10th album, 10-4, and they're coming to Chicago on March 30th at the Vidim Theater talking to us right now is the guy with the goggles who help him see far it's mover scott scott durbin hey scott hey how are you guys doing uh very very happy to be a uh, uh, part of this uh experience and so i'm glad you guys invited me to be on the show well we're so glad you're here which is a song off your new album i guess let's start right there um 10 albums out this is the 10th you're on the north side of your 15th year as the movers uh how are people liking the new album uh, you know, we've gotten a lot of, uh, actually, a lot of online reviews. Um, every every review has, has been uh, really encouraging. Uh, I think there's been definitely some standout songs that people are kind of re- referencing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a uh, a lot of the early feedback has been fantastic. Um, the cool thing about the the album it was the the it was the fruits of a crowdfunding campaign. Uh, through Indiegogo. So our crowd, our fans were actually our executive producers for the uh, album. And so the fact that not only have we had some critical reviews that have been exceptional, but our fan base has been so vocal in how much they've enjoyed the, the you know, kind of the maturity of the music and, yeah. uh, and the content as well. So we've been very, very pleased. Well, the music is, Todd and I were listening to it this morning and raving about it to each other on the phone in the car. Uh, it's so good. And I'm sure everybody says, oh, every act for youth is also great for the parents, but frequently they are lying. But this, <laughs> <That> is, is, <laughs> <laughs> this is really good rock music. Uh, and, and I've seen you, uh, listeners to our show know that uh, two summers ago, Viva was obsessed with the movers and she doesn't really know, um, you know, because we're in entertainment, she gets a lot of, she gets to go backstage a lot. And she kind of doesn't know that you can just she thinks you can just meet anybody you're interested in meeting. So she said, Dad, I want, I want to go to the warehouse. I want to meet the movers. Uh, where are they? And because she's an only child and very spoiled, I jumped online and said, well, they're giving a concert in, in uh, Kentucky in a few weeks, so let's drive to Louisville, which is really far from Chicago. Um, but we went and saw your show, and it's a, such a great show for parents. You guys are – there's Easter eggs all over the place. I mean, not only does do your musical influences resonate with with – dads i'd I'd say but uh you know you break into little little easter eggs like uh the beastie boys or the immigrant song or you know curtis blow slash revenge of the nerds like you you drop in little things for everybody throughout we do you know i think it's um there's the i guess there's 10 kids uh between the four of us so you know as parents and then as 
just as ourselves, having had kids and attended children's events, whether they be concerts or, you know, on ice or all those kinds of things. <laughs> and you're like, you know, a lot of times you're, you know, you don't want to be looking at your watch or, or kind of waiting for it to end. Um, because you don't want, you know, you want that to be a shared experience. You want to enjoy where you are. So I think especially because we have the opportunity to create an event that parents and really even older siblings, as well as our specific demo, uh, can enjoy the show mm -hmm. is really kind of the penultimate for us. Because I think, you know, when a, a five or a six year old can look at their dad and mom and maybe their 11 year old brother or sister and see everyone finding things within the show that kind of speaks to them mm -hmm. and having a great time while they're doing it. It like it makes every it, it's the reason why we continue what we do, uh, quite honestly. It's just because it really is. It's about family spending time together. And if we can create the the reason for them to get together and enjoy the time, um, then that that makes what we do so worthwhile. Yeah, it's great to have music that that creates a shared experience. Um, so much of what was kids' music in the past was was not that. It was it was either so much for the kids and and when my our, our oldest was born in two thousand two, and um and I was not looking forward to uh oh the kind of music we're gonna have to have in our house and I you know I I just didn't know what else was out there. Uh, the first thing that I came upon in in two thousand two. Um, was they might be giants did an, an album the the no album I think was the first one and that's when I realized you know you can have kids music that is also enjoyable to parents and so it was great to see that continue that trend continue and and so when Imagination Movers came along and the show was on it was great to have a show to watch and music to listen to that I didn't just like you said look at my watch until you know count the minutes till it was over so it was it's it was great to have options like that out there and uh, yeah I think uh, you know it's it. I think it speaks to kind of like the, really kind of what children's entertainment should be. And that's really is a shared experience. I mean, you yeah. want to have the content age and developmentally appropriate, but you know, nine times out of 10, the parents or, or a sibling is watching it as well. And, and if it can operate on layers uh, or levels without taking away the specific, you know, message or moral uh, for the, for the child, then by all means, allow it to have layers and allow it to be enjoyed by, a larger, uh, you know, base of, uh, of individuals than just kind of the three to five or, you know, five to seven or what have you. And so I think, you know, we've been real, we've, we really prided ourselves on creating something that was, that was meant to be shared. And even the show, because we would mm -hmm. drop Easter eggs in the show as well, probably to, uh, uh, not to Disney's, uh, uh you know, I mean, not, <laughs> yeah. you know, you always have the, uh, the people who are checking the eye, uh, you know, dotting the eyes and yeah, yeah. tease. Um, but you know, I mean, we'll do, we'll throw in a, a reference to sticks, you know, come sail away in the pirate episode or something like that, that, <laughs> mm -hmm. that we sort of did on the day. And, you know, it was kind of funny because I think, uh, things that, you know, we were, cause, cause we were executive producers of the show, we would give copious amounts of notes. And, uh, if there was something that we, that didn't make it in the show, we were like, Oh man, this should be in the show. Uh, sometimes you would just do it on the day. And so like, you know, if they were doing a shot, um, you know, you would you would kind of throw it in, say, "Hey, can can I have this one?" And you would make that one the best take that you were given. And so, sure. invariably, it made the show. And so we kind of, <laughs> in a roundabout way, kind of got what we wanted. But uh, but you know, for Disney's credit, they 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 allowed the show to be kind of really organic. And I think that's why I look back on that experience just with, you know, very proud um, 
feel, you know, it's a, it's a great legacy to look back on and have. It's something I'm very proud of. Oh, it should be. And it's, you know, it's a live action show and there's still almost no kids shows that have actual human beings walking around. That is, uh, you know, <laughs> that is such a, you know, that's an issue for me because, you know, you, you know, I love a lot of the children's entertainment that's out there, but you're right. It's just, it's missing a human quality, a human factor. And, you know, if anything like that we've kind of learned from Mr. Rogers is, you know, there are people who are authentic people who carry themselves in a way that model behavior that you want your children to, to emulate. And you want, you know, you want them to think about their lives. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate that so much children's programming is either cartoons or puppets. And while they can explore issues, I don't think they can model the way uh, an indiv individual can model. Um, it's just, you know, I think it's something that you know, I think kids, especially, and, and I'll talk about like just music, you know, when we play a song, we kind of know immediately whether they like it or they don't, because they don't, you know, there's no agenda there where they're, you know, making us feel better by pretending, you know, we'll know soon enough if it's a, if it hits the mark or if it doesn't. And I think mm -hmm. um, they can, they can kind of um, sense when something's inauthentic. And, uh, and so, you know, I do miss real people in children's entertainment. It's, <laughs> it's something I think that's lacking. And I wish, you know, with all the entertainment options, the streaming, you would, you know, I wish there were more opportunities for, for, for live action in, in kids' entertainment. Yeah, it makes, I mean, the comedy is very funny on, on your show. And the pathos was, I think, a little bit deeper. Like a couple of episodes that I, I'm recalling right now, there's an episode late in the, in the run where the guys thought that Nina was moving to Hawaii and they were very sad. And there's one where a giant steals your teddy bear. Oh, that's correct. Yeah. And my daughter was laid out. I mean, she was so sad. She had to like stop the episode, like take a breath, walk around, come back and watch the rest. Um, and I don't think she'd do that if it were a CGI skunk, in a you know, living in a mushroom or something. It's, you're, it's, uh, you're right. There's a, there's a relatedness that's missing. And, and, you know, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like kids are so can be so complex emotionally, um, and, and if we if we kind of placate them or if we sort of talk, you know, kind of talk down to them, like as if they can't, you know, have those type of emotions, then I, I think we miss the mark. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, if we respect, the, you know, the fact that they have feelings and that they can explore them in a in a in a safe and supportive environment in a network, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, uh, then why not? You know, otherwise, I think you're just kind of, you know entertaining the, you know, it's almost like a bread and circus thing. It's just like, you're just, yeah. you know, you're, you're entertaining for the sake of entertainment. Well, let's talk about this. Was, go ahead, nope, Matt. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, uh, you, um, mentioned about the, you know, the, the feedback from kids and that they can tell when something is, is inauthentic. I mean, you get pretty much instant feedback. So was your early music as a, was your early music for your own kids with, you know, in order to, and then is that how you helped kind of form, what worked and what didn't then early on in, in the group's uh, start? Uh, I think, you know, that's that was definitely part of the process. I know having an educational background, I was definitely, um, you know, very hyper aware and hypersensitive to, you know, the educational kind of dogma that was sort of the, the, the foundation for what we did musically uh, and wanted to make sure it was you know, developmentally appropriate. You know, if we were talking about a kid who was lost or something like that, that that the things that we examined were, you know, probably best practices for how mm -hmm. to deal with being lost. 
So sure. that was something that we were definitely conscious of. But as far as like our first audience, yeah, our kids were definitely our guinea pigs. And, and if you notice that through the, 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 the arc of our independent releases, um, they really kind of coincided to where our kids were developmentally. So like those first albums were, you know, healthy snacks and things like that and, <laughs> yeah. and sleeping through the night. Uh, and, but then you started getting, you know, to riding the bicycle uh, and, and, and more, you know, kind of, you know, developmentally mm -hmm. where our kids were at the time. And so it's funny to kind of look back at the three independent albums before we signed with Disney and just look at the subject matter we kind of dealt with because they certainly mirrored where our kids were. Yeah, you can well, probably play it as a soundtrack. Are... You can probably play it as a soundtrack to your photo albums at that time. And oh, totally. Time go by. Totally. <laughs> well, I don't know how what the big what the range is on the movers kids right now, but now you've got, I'm sure, the whole gamut of childhood and adolescence to look at. Uh, what how did you choose the subjects for this newest album? Because uh, it certainly doesn't talk down. Like there are there are some uh, I mean, there's some gritty rock on there and there's some sentimental subjects and there's some straight up funny novelty on there. So how did you choose the sound and the subject matter for this album at this point in your life? It, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, because like speaking, you know, speaking to the, the, the question you had asked earlier, there our kids eight right now range from uh, uh, the youngest being a six year old, which is Smitty's daughter, and the oldest being a college junior, I guess now for Rich. Wow. Um, so it really does cover the gambit. Um, as far as this one, you know, this and I'll this was a, a kind of a struggle album because and I'll I'll, I'll kind of flesh that out because we when we wrote the songs we wrote them acoustically um you know i've started picking up the banjo and uh and so when we wrote i was playing my mando or banjo rich was on an acoustic smitty was on acoustic dave was on acoustic bass uh, and so it was it was a very different sound when we started uh and then we went in re and we tried to capture that sound and recorded a lot of the songs kind of really stripped down and really more acoustically and when we listened to them, some were really good, but it, we kind of felt like our, our signature sound was missing. And so mm. we went back and re-recorded a lot of the songs, kind of updating them to what I think was probably something that we wanted to have in the middle. Um, kind of like, you know, we had songs like um, uh, Butterfly Wings, which was really written uh, on a banjo and an acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it evolved into what it is now on the album. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad of that process because I think early on we were like, hey, this sounds really good. It's really stripped down and it's it's kind of vulnerable in its instrumentation, but it was missing our sound. Uh, so, um, you know, just through through our creative process, I think we got we arrived where we were meant to arrive. Mm -hmm. But as far as the subject matter is concerned, it's funny because, you know, it, it's it's so weird. I think, you know. Uh, we, for example, like, um, Mad Hatter's tea party was mm -hmm. for me, I was, I was kind of, um, reading some Lewis Carroll, uh, and, and really kind of the Mad Hatter's, uh, tea party, that chapter, I was like, Hey, I wonder if I can do something with this. And really, it, if you listen to it, it's, it's very, uh, true to the actual chapter of, of Lewis Carroll's, uh, book, um, his Alice in Wonderland. And, um, and then we just kind of found a way to sort of take that absurdity that Lewis Carroll was kind of known for and try to try to move it into our music because it's mm -hmm. one of our, our interesting, more interesting songs as far as like the, the time signature, um, mm -hmm. 
you know, it's a, it's kind of a weird song. And, and as I look at it now, but it, it, it's, it's, it's real, it's authentic. It, it's part mm-hmm. of the creative process. I think, um, as far as like the other ones, I think, is that wrong? Um, was sort of kind of the, um, no Daniel book. Um, the, the author's name escapes me right now. Um, no David book. That was it. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, where it's like David would get into trouble. No, David. Um, <laughs> and so it was like that idea of, you know, kids kind of testing their limits, um, and, and probably and learning hopefully from it. Um, and then of course talking to the baby or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, we, uh, that was sort of two songs in one, you know, a lot of our songs are, you know, we have fans who come and see our shows and one of our great fans was having a new baby. And so we sort of wrote the song called new baby. Uh, and actually that might be on something that we release in the future, but oh. the whole idea of talking to the baby was born out of that. And the, we kind of liked for this album a little of that funkiness that talking to the baby uh, brought to the forefront. So that's what that made. Um, and then, of course, uh, I'll, I'll talk about So Glad You're Here because I think that's a, uh, a really important song for us. You know, I think there are two songs that I look at from our catalog. Uh, one is the evacuation song, which Smitty really kind of heralded or shepherded right after Katrina as being mm-hmm. – a song, yes, that was for kids and families, but was really meaningful for us since we sort of lived it. Um, so Glad You're Here was really kind of part of us being able to tour um, with military bases. So, you know, we've done a lot of touring in Asia and Europe, going to uh, military bases uh, where families are stationed and playing for those families. And so we're doing a sound check, and this family came out to the sound check thinking it was the show because they had gotten the times wrong. And so, you know, through that relationship, we were like, oh, we're so glad you're here. You know, we'll we'll play a song. But the way it evolved was really kind of an awareness of just the different people who come to see us in concert. And, you know, we we have a lot of special needs kids and uh, and we're also national, um, you know, national spokes, you know, spokespeople for the buddy walk via the National Down Syndrome Society. So, you know. I think part of what we wanted to do with that song is make everyone who comes and sees our concert, who calls us, you know, who are, who are a fan and, and, and really likes what we do, um, regardless of how you come, that you do come and that we are so grateful for every fan that we have, small, tall, um, you know, all shapes and sizes. Um, and we just wanted to say thank you. And I think that was our thank you song to our fans and, and really kind of an inclusive song for all the people who who really follow us and have supported us for so long. It's a great song with great lyrics and great music as well. I was particularly moved by the lyrics. I mean, it's a song that is, I think it's inspiring and it's a pick-me-up, but it also really has a beautiful message of acceptance. And uh, I mean, it, it's just a, a song we need right now. And I that's uh, that might be my favorite favorite song. When we were... At your concert, uh, there was a young man, likely with Downs, uh, near me in a full mover suit. And you you actually ran out into the audience and interacted with him a few times. And it, he was so happy. And all of you dealt so deftly with uh, people with special needs, with the particularly young people in the audience. I mean, it was clear that it's a road you've been down before. And it w- was handled with such care. And it was really inspiring to see. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, it is, I think, you know, we are, we are, 
We always try and we always aspire to to demonstrate compassion and kindness uh, because I think sometimes our world is in such great need of that. Um, and if we can do it on small scale, then maybe, you know, maybe it'll have a, a trickle effect. And mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, it's kind of like uh, small rebellions, you know, those <laughs> those uh, acts of kindness that you kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, want to demonstrate and want to show. And, um, and I think that's probably why we have such a, a passionate fan base is because, you know, they, people can see when we're performing, we really enjoy it and we're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and it's part of why we've been in and, you know, been doing it for so long. Um, and yeah, you know, when we were doing touring with Disney, we could play 1500 seaters or $3,000, you know, 3000 seaters. And now we play, you know, kind of smaller venues, 400 seaters and such. But, you know, for us, it's like, you know, we could play to 100 people and we'd be happy to be doing it um, Mm -hmm. and just kind of sharing that time together. Because I think it's a needed, you know, experience to just be in a a positive environment, uh, be with your family, dance and sing, have toilet paper flying over your head, you know, and uh, just all those kinds of things, I think, are are part of why we keep on going. So, Mm -hmm. Scott, you you touched on this a little bit, but so for the. For your shows, a show coming up in Chicago, um, for those of you who haven't been, for anyone who hasn't been to an Imagination Movers concert, what do they, what should they expect? What should, uh, you know, what, what should they be coming in kind of thinking this, this is the right thing for my kids. This is the concert I haven't been to yet. Maybe they're not, you know, uh, what would you just, how would you describe a concert of yours? Well, first of all, we play live music, which is is different than a lot of children's concerts that you go see where a lot of tracks are dominant. So we actually play the music that you hear. And I think that's important for us to kind of demonstrate the creative process that a child can pick up a guitar or pick up a drumstick and they can be creators uh, in that respect. And so we model that with what we do. And and so it's it's live music. Uh, we don't go over a certain decibel just simply because we respect our audience. Oh, and so yeah, yeah. We, we'll have our sound guy go before the show and test different areas of the, uh, of the, of the, you know, wherever the venue mm-hmm. we're playing just to make sure our decibel lever doesn't go a certain, uh, over a certain amount. Um, but with, with live music, it's almost like a age appropriate rock concert for, Probably your five to seven year old. I mean, that's that's your bread and butter. Uh, you know, you could be younger, you could be older. You're still going to have a blast because uh, there's going to be flying toilet paper. There's going to be ginormous balloons. There's going to be vortex smoke, smoke cannons. They're going to be interactive songs where you're dancing, uh, you're jumping up, getting down. There's tons of confetti and streamers. Um, and it really and then, of course, we do dance contests uh, for the parents so that they can win their children a <laughs> DVD and so they'll everybody and we'll have the kids teaching their dads and moms how to do the robot. Um, <laughs> so it's it's really just uh, tons of fun and of course you know we do throw in those songs for the parents. So uh, you know we'll do a Blink One Eighty Two, uh, all the small things and um, or something like that. And but it's super. It's a lot of fun. It really <laughs> is. It's just I think that's probably the bottom line. Lots of fun and it's a family dance-a-thon. You know, dance concert. Mm-hmm. Well, and this, the Vidim Theater is 300 seats, I think. So uh, it's an intimate space. All the, you, you know, there are no obstructed seats. And you're going to be up and up close and personal with these guys. So that is you are, right. There is no, there's not going to be a bad seat in the house. And so even if you're in the back row, and I think one of the things that, you know, I'm glad you mentioned, you, the, the, the cool thing I think about coming to our concert is that we, 
we're not strapped down. So Dave has a wireless base. So he's out in the audience. I'm out in the audience. Uh, Smitty's out in the audience. We're always in the audience. So even if you're in the back row, you're probably going to get a high five from one of the movers. <laughs> Because I think that's our goal during the show is that you make sure that you get a high five from one of the movers during the show. So I, it's cool that we picked the Venom and, and that sort of kind of fell uh, into our laps in that, in that respect. And uh, so it is one of those kind of intimate experiences that I think uh, if people decide to come, they're going to be blown away with uh, the experience. Oh, that's great. Hey, we, you, we've talked about how um, your, you guys being dads has affected the music. How has you guys being the Imagination Movers affected your fatherhood? Well, you know, I think we are, we're definitely, uh, I, I'm, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I th- we're more patient. Um, mm-hmm. I think because, you know, our, with, with, with what we do musically and, and the concerts, you know, especially like, you know, we'll do a meet and greet and there might be a, a very, very shy uh, uh, young person who, you know, is kind of hiding behind their mom or something like that who wants to get a high five but are super shy. And we are so patient, I think, in the respect that, you know, it, it takes a little warming up to get because if you see us on TV and then you see us in real life, that's kind of a, you know, that's that's a process <laughs> you got to deal with. And so we're respectful of that. And and I think, you know, as far as just like it's it, it's sort of, you know, I'm definitely more patient with my kids. Um, and and uh, and I think probably just I think as far as dads, you know, we're we're definitely looking at our kids and, and encouraging creativity uh, in them. I You know, I know Rich's son actually uh, Smitty couldn't make a show, but Rich's son, who's in college, actually played guitar and came on that weekend run with us. Um, my son is actually one of the guests on the, this new album. He's the Durbulence. Oh, okay, um, yeah. So on the tow truck, he's the one who does the last rap. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I think the cool thing is, is, you know, we've definitely, and then of course, Dave has a daughter who can sing like a bird. And, um, so we have a, a, a fortunate to have a, a, a great creative crop of kids. And, um, and I think hopefully, maybe modeling that creativity has somehow uh, led to their appreciation and, and, and their, you know, life uh, as, as creators themselves. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see, you know, imagination movers, the next generation with all these musical kids coming out of that would be so cool that, you know, (laughs) have a second generation of uh, movers hitting the road, (laughs) you know, Rich's son, my son and Dave's daughter. A tow truck song slaps, by the way, as the young people say, it is a, it's fantastic. It's such a good song. And it sounds like the production on it, it sounds like a million bucks, too. That's great. My my uh, my son sort of produced that song. Uh, oh, wow. So he's a uh, you know, he's 17 is a senior in high school. And he recently won the um, the John Lennon songwriting contest in hip hop for a song called One Dollar. And oh, wow. so uh, when when the rest of the movers heard it, they were like blown away and they were like, oh, we've got to get him to do something with us. And so Smitty had started the, the work on Tow Truck and then I wrote a verse and, and Rich was like, we got to have Brewster do something on this. And so we basically handed that track off to Brewster and said, you do a third, you know, you do a third verse and then and then you do your turbulent stuff to it and make it sound the way you want to sound. And he really kind of, you know, took it and and put some magic on it. And like uh, like you said, you know. My daughter calls it a banger, uh, so that's what uh, you know. That's what I, I'll call it. It's a, it's definitely a banger, and he does a great job. He did a great job for us there. And you've got when to be you hear proud songs that have when you hear songs that have a hip hop influence 
from a group or in a, in a genre that isn't normally hip hop friendly. I mean, like when, when Hamilton came out, I thought, Oh, a rap musical, is this going to be super square? Is this going to be terrible? And you go, can the imagination movers do a hip hop song? And boy, you did. I mean, it's, it really works. It's really Thank authentic you. and wonderful. Well, you know, I, uh, Smitty and I went to high school together and, uh, we went, you know, we were big fans of like De La Soul and a tribe called Quest. Oh, yeah. So, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of that kind of uh, vibe and, you know, carried on with us because I think part of our music that even we do today, you hear a lot of the influences that we listen to. Now, the, the lyrics are definitely for the, you know, our kids and, or, you know, for the kids. But I think musically speaking, we, we definitely pull from a lot of influences. And so. Uh, Smitty was doing something, uh, you know, uh, in that kind of vein. And then I took the second verse and, uh, and then, and then my son kind of, uh, embarrassed us with, uh, his, because his <laughs> is so much better than ours, but, uh, but it all works as a collective. So it's, it all worked. And oh, how, did the, how, how did the collaboration with Lisa Loeb come up for Butterfly Wings? You know, we had met her, her, they came, uh, her and her family came and saw us. Her kids are, were big fans of the movers. And so she took him to a show. We got to meet her. And of course, who wouldn't want to meet Lisa Loeb? I mean, sure. uh, you know, stay. I can remember the video uh, like it was yesterday. And then, of course, being on the reality bite soundtrack. Yeah. I and mean, that was sort of in that that wheelhouse of growing up. And so we got to be friends with her. And we had initially had said, hey, let's try to write a song together. And we we were working on a song. Um, but of course, uh, you know, I guess the time when it happened, the technology wasn't as conducive to working and sending tracks back and forth as it is now. And so, um, you know, Rich and I had sort of uh, kind of workshopped Butterfly Wings, and actually the original title was Go Go Caterpillar. And when we did so, you know, obviously it was, we wanted, you know, because of the subject matter, we thought, well, you know what, why don't we have a female voice be the verse verse, because the second verse is, is really kind of about the, you know, not the daughter not growing up so much and enjoying that time in her life. And and so we sent it to her and she loved it. Uh, she went and recorded her part in L.A., sent it back to us. It, it just came out great. And uh, she's proud of her contribution. We're proud of her contribution. It's a really it's one of those songs that I listen to. And it's and it's not necessarily a kid song. It's more for the parents. That one that, because, that you one know, snuck think, up on me. It yeah, snuck it up does. On me. I wasn't it expecting really, it. And then, um, you know, my kids are 16 and 13. So I listen to it as a parent kind of looking back like, geez, I hope I didn't miss too much. I hope I didn't. You know what I mean? So it was almost like a different experience as opposed to someone who maybe has younger kids now. But, um, yeah, that one that I, I had to spend a couple extra minutes in the car before, you know, because I, 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 it snuck up on me. I tell you that I, it was a great song. Thank you. And it is. It's like I think for us, it was it's it's really the the song that's kind of like a a, a testimony to just how fast time goes, uh, mm. because, you know, having kids. I mean, you know, they're five one day and then 15 the next. And you're like, where did the time go? It's like, oh, my goodness, you know. And so uh, it really is kind of one of those things. And I think for us, you know, we've always kind of um, really been, you know, kind of cheerleaders for just, you know, kids being kids and not growing up too quick, uh, you know, playing, uh, you know, with toys and just being outside and riding their bikes, you know, instead of being on a, a phone all the time or, or something like that. And I, I think that was definitely one that we, yeah. we, we look back and kind of like secretly pat ourselves on the back as we somehow <laughs> captured a, a beautiful, you know, the muse spoke to us for that one. So, sure. all right, we've got to ask you a fairly serious question. Uh, 
fans know that you had a harrowing health incident recently that started in a very, very public way. And uh, you've been kind enough to agree to tell us about it. So how's your recovery going? What happened? And, and how do you feel now? Well, the you know, we were playing a weekend of shows in Virginia. We were at Richmond. Uh, and in the middle of the show, I had the worst headache in, that I've ever had and uh, made it through the show. When we went off stage for a kind of a faux uh, encore, I told Rich, I was like, something's wrong. And we went out. We finished the show. We didn't have a meet and greet. We had a Q&A that show, which was a kind of weird and actually probably oh. a, a blessing in disguise uh, because it wasn't as long as generally the meet and greets that we do. Um, but once we finished, you know, I started getting nauseous. Uh, make a long story short, I, I shouldn't have flown home, but I got back home and my, my wife is always uh, kind of preaching to me to like listen to your body. And so when I got back to New Orleans, I was like, something is is wrong. And so I drove to the emergency room and uh, checked in and told them, you know, what had happened. And uh, and I'm sure they were thinking, OK, a musician comes in, his head's hurting. He, he, it happened during a show. What's going on? You know, kind of all the yeah. all of that that could imagine uh, being. But um, they did a CAT scan. The doctor came in, and when he came in, he sat down next to me, and I was like, "Oh no, what's going on?" And so when he sat down next to me, I was like, "Okay, something's going on." And he basically said I had a brain hemorrhage, or a brain a brain a brain bleed, uh, and that they were going to admit me to ICU. And so here I was, one day jumping up and down, uh, performing for kids, and the next day, or you know, the next two or three days. I'm walking in an IC unit with a physical therapist going, how did I get from point A to point B? Uh, and so it was definitely, um, you know, one of those kind of moments that, you know, stops you and turns you on a dime. And, and for me, you know, I was fortunate that it was, a it was not a, it, it was not a aneurysm. It was a non-aneurysm a hemorrhage. It was an arachnoid hemorrhage, subarachnoid hemorrhage. Below the uh, spider? Yeah. Below the spider. <laughs> so it's like, it's a, in a weird part of your, your brain. And so luckily it was, it was not a malformation. Uh, so it was not like genetic and it was not hypertension related, uh, like our stroke. Um, and so it was something that, you know, they'll see periodically with athletes and musicians when there's a lot of pressure and it, and, and, the, and it leads to this situation. But luckily the prognosis was, was excellent and it was uh, an anomaly. It was kind of winning the bad luck a lot, a lottery. Um, and, but the, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I posted on Facebook at three in the morning and for whatever reason had a moment of clarity, uh, and shared what I shared and, and really was amazed at just the, the, the responses and the amount of responses. I mean, it, it kind of brings you to your knees. It's so humbling to think, you know, what we've created and what we do has resonated and, and has been so meaningful in people's lives. And so, and, and for me, you know, looking at it, it's not one of those situations where, you know, um, like I had an epiphany, you know, I don't want to sound boastful, but, you know, I feel like I'm leading a good life. It's the kind of life that I would love for my, you know, for, I, I feel like I'm making good decisions. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to be uh, a model of compassion and kindness. So it wasn't like I felt like I needed to change, you know, 180 degrees. But what it did kind of teach me was you sometimes yearn for the ordinary, you know, when 
when you have those kind of boring days and you're sitting and you're, you know, maybe reading a book and your kids are kind of playing a video game or, or, or something like that, where it's just kind of mundane and ordinary. Those are kind of those experiences where I think I, I take a little bit more value uh, when it's just normal and nothing's like going, you know, uh, crazy. I think that's <laughs> when I, I came to appreciate the ordinary a little bit more than I probably did before. Sure. Well, we're we're sure glad you pulled through. Are, are you getting a lot of uh, you getting a lot of brainstorm jokes thrown your way now? Oh, yeah. well, you know, I literally had a brainstorm. I mean, I can say <laughs> that now. Uh, uh, it just, I think, if anything, it just magnifies that we are uh, we we play we play mind blowing shows. <laughs> <laughs> and you are fully back on on the on the road now in terms of playing all the shows and no restrictions anymore moving forward. That is correct. It's uh, it was funny because um, I'm usually, I guess, the the, the mother of the movers because I, you know, mm-hmm. I keep things, uh, keep everybody kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, part and parcel of what we're doing and make sure everybody knows and communicates and and I think Rich was definitely uh, very very protective of me coming back um, because I, you know, I actually came back probably pretty early um, and was very very cautious with me and so, you know, he was definitely the mother hen, uh, for that, for those first few shows back. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's funny because I was doing something, uh, and you know, I do a lot uh, behind the scenes for the movers as far as just like kind of moving the machine a little bit. Uh, and I was setting up a, a show for us to do and Dave and, and Smitty and, and Rich all were like, he's back, you know, because I guess just the, uh, <laughs> the energy was there they they had missed and, and not seen for a while. So, um, but it's so nice to be back. I, I mean, all of the fans who come and see us and uh, the super fans uh, from the casual fans and uh, have been so wonderful and so kind and, and generous with their words. It's it's it definitely makes all of us, um, you know, kind of take pause and just appreciate, you know, what we've been able to accomplish in our 15 plus years. It's it's um, we're, we're very thankful. We don't take it for granted. So. Well, we're thankful for what you've uh, what you've given us over these years, and and as a matter of fact, uh, one of your fans is here. My seven year old daughter Viva is is right here, and can you hear? Okay, sweetie. Okay, well we've got Mover Scott uh, hey! on the phone. How are you doing? Good. Very nice. So, what grade are you in? First grade. First grade. Wow. Do you have an awesome teacher? Yes. Uh, I think so. I could tell. I could tell. So uh, are you going to come and see us when we come to Chicago? Yes. Awesome. Are you going to give me a high five? Yeah. Awesome. Now, if you try to give Dave a high five, you're probably going to miss. But uh, <laughs> but we'll, 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 we'll make sure he practices uh, a lot before uh, the show. And I'm sure you'll get a high five from Dave, too. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a song you want us to play? Mm, okay. What song do you want us to play when we come? Boring Cluck Cluck. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll do, we'll do a little acapella Boring Cluck Cluck for you. Sounds good? Yeah. Awesome. See you soon. Sounds great. I'll see you. All right. Thanks for talking to her. It's oh, quite, a, quite a night. It's a talk to a real live mover. I love it. I love it. We could, we could have just let Viva host the whole interview, I think. Oh, I'm That's sure it. she would have. It's just great. <laughs> She asked me earlier, how's, how's his head? I said, I will ask him. Uh, he's doing okay. Well, you know, and it, it, it's, it's funny because, like, you know, I had people, you know, we at our, at our headquarters, uh, you know, 
lots of kids sent thank you cards, sent messages. It was a really nice, uh, nice to see people kind of go out of their way to, you know, show that they, show their concern uh, from young and old. So I was very appreciative. Oh, wonderful! You have been so generous with your time tonight. Uh, we don't want to keep you forever, but uh, we got. Would you mind? Ask, I know you. You used to play baseball. I feel like the movers are. Uh, you might be sports fans. <laughs> we're we're super duper fans. Uh, you know, I, I played a, a little fall ball in college, um, uh, and then of course when I uh, when I turned forty, I did a a a, a fantasy baseball. Um, oh, the camp. Eat. Yeah, I did the fantasy baseball camp with the Red Sox. And oh, so wow, yeah. My, uh, my dad was a Cubs fan and a Red Sox fan. And so uh, I did the Red Sox fantasy baseball camp when I hit 40. Uh, so I love playing baseball. Uh, the Movers themselves are all huge Saints fans, of course, from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, You were you know, very active on Twitter after the non-call uh kept the Saints out of the Super Bowl. I was irrational. I was irrationally. (laughs) It's like one of those things where it's like, I don't understand why I'm so irrational about it. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, it really is. It's, it's a, I'm a fanatic, you know, I'm the, that's what a fan is. And so it was one of those things that I just didn't let go. I mean, how silly, I mean, you know, when you put it in the, you know, perspective, it's a silly thing, but still for, for the Saints fans, I think probably the reason why Saints fans were so, you know, we're so reactive in that that respect is because of what they mean to the city, because post Katrina, when oh, they yeah. came back and played and, you know, my brother and I were at that game that uh, Gleason blocked the punt against Atlanta. And so there's a bond and, I, and I'm sure other cities have bonds with their sports teams. But for us, the Saints are are an extension of the city. And, and so. Well, I don't you think know, any other city's fans would have come out in protest the way that they did in New Orleans well, and, you know, on and, the Super and, Bowl. And, like, it was amazing to see that those crowds out on the streets. And everybody, you know, and all, and it was, it, you know, the cool thing about New Orleans is that it, it really, there's a communal feel there. And I think part of it is those big crowds are super safe. You know, I mean, Mardi Gras is kind yeah. of, everybody, you know, we all have Mardi Gras experience, you know, yearly. Uh, so people know how to behave in, in large crowds and, um, and I think there was that common denominator that kind of transcends age and race and religion that the Saints, uh, you know, can appeal to so many different people uh, and be kind of a rallying cry, uh, even if it were in protest. But it was uh, uh, a peaceful one and one that was a kind of a partying and uh, yeah, sure. I'm sure a lot of uh, <laughs> good food and uh, and good community <laughs> and good fun. Uh, well, my my son is a, he's, a, he's sixteen. He's a huge sports fan. He's a he's a sports fanatic. He loves all the Chicago teams. And obviously, when the Bears uh, uh, lost in the playoffs with the double doink, the Cody Parkey double doink. Yes. I mean, it was he. You know, <laughs> he, he was inconsolable for a, a couple of days. And and I've always tried. You know, I also am a big sports fan. I mean, it's rubbed off on him. But I tried to downplay those moments so that it's not like, hey, listen, sun's going to come up tomorrow. You know, this doesn't affect us. We're not the ones, you know, we're not playing on the team. It would have been great if it went the other way. But, you know, for us, you know, we got to get up and go to school and go to work tomorrow. So, uh, you know, (laughs) you're right. Take it down a notch. So, like, yes, it's a teachable moment. It's a teachable (laughs) moment. But, you know, I'm right there with you because my son was was hard to console, you know, he was yeah. inconsolable as well when that happened. And so, uh, and that's been now two years in a row. Cause you know, of course the, the miracle in Minnesota was like one year, oh like, my oh my gosh, you know, and <laughs> then to have it sort of happen again, 
it was uh, it was definitely one of those okay, but you you, you know you grow from it because that's the only thing you can that's do. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's gonna sting for a little bit, but but you know now it's baseball season. That's right. That is you're right. <laughs> Play ball. The album is ten four. What's the best way for people to hear or purchase your album, Scott? Well, you know, there's probably two ways. Uh, if they want to get an autograph copy of the CD, they can go to imaginationmovers.com and get one there. Uh, but if they also want to listen to it on a service provider like Spotify or Apple Music, uh, you can listen to it there. Ask Alexa to play some Imagination Movers Sent for, and she'll cue it up. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to listen. Uh, and we just thank you if you do. All right. The concert is Imagination Movers, the So Glad You're Here concert at the Vidim Theater in Chicago, Saturday, March 30th at 1 p.m., and it's almost sold out, so you really need to go to imaginationmovers.com or to the Vidim Theater and get those tickets right now. That is correct, and I think, you know what? I'm going to go on a limb here, and I'm thinking we're going to add a second show because Chicago is such an awesome place. Well, I think we would love to come out and support that show, so please do. So that would be a 3 o'clock show, you think? It would probably be a 4 o'clock show. Oh, I guess that's (laughs) – I'm making your concert very short. I probably should do that. A (laughs) 4 o'clock show makes more sense. All right, one last question. We've got sort of some some internal bets going um, about how the movers map to the Beatles, and we want to hear what a mover thinks. Who's the Paul? Who's the John? Who's the George? Who's the Ringo? All right. Ooh, wow. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Rich as Paul. I'll take uh, Lennon. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'll go with Smitty for George Harrison mm-hmm. and Dave for Ringo. What do you think, Todd? I think that maps out. I think that maps out. And you guys have um, uh, kind of a fifth Beatle going on right now because you have uh, Kyle, is that right, Who's who's been playing drums for you? Farmer Kyle has been as, been with us for 14 years. And wow. so uh, when we, you know, sometimes I think part of like, you know, when we have concerts, we have to get out into the audience. And when you have a four piece, that's not as easy to do. <laughs> yeah, so right. Yeah. You can't just him, stop playing the drums and exactly. come out to high five people. Having him play drums sort of frees up Rich, and so uh, he's been a welcome addition. He does a lot of shows with us, uh, and he is such a, a ball of energy. And um, whenever we take him on tour, we kind of joke with him because he's sort of like bringing your mi- uh, middle, uh, middle school child with you. Uh, <laughs> you know, He is a character beyond characters, uh, but he's so much fun. Uh, and so uh, such a good guy. Uh, so it's we're, we're glad that he's been a, our, sort of our fifth member. And do you guys ha- see any uh, do you just see continuing this as far as long as your bodies hold out? I mean, is there is there a, a plan for the movers in the future? I think, you know, uh, I think there's the one thing we'd love to do. And we've been talking internally about how to accomplish it is uh, is kind of doing a, a, a movie. Uh, and I know that sounds strange uh, and, and self finance it, uh, in some way, shape or form. That's something I think we'd love to do before, you know, our bodies get too, uh, too, uh, you know, our knees get too cracky, uh, or creaky. And, um, that's something we'd love to do. It, it's funny because, you know, when you're in the business, you know, we've, we've had talks with Netflix and we've had, you know, we did an animated trailer, which was a really cool, um, animated trailer that you can see on YouTube called super movers. Um, and we just haven't found a place or a home yet. Um, we're still like before, you know, a creative force that writes music and, uh, 
Uh, and so if, if, if that doesn't Can you happen, tell our think, listeners what Mover Scott's power is on Super Movers? Because Viva's blown away by your this this hooked her in, and she's waiting every day for Super Movers to come out because of oh. because of Mover Scott's power. So I can you know I can de- my wobble goggles allow me to to move things uh, to see through things. Uh, you know it's funny. Uh, uh, you know I'll have to I'll have to send you a link because there's actually two different videos are two different trailers for super movers it's one of those weird window of opportunities when we when we partner with nine story and this is kind of an exclusive so i don't know many people know this but they created an animated trailer for super movers and they did it in-house it was one of their first things they had done in-house and it was super charming but it was like a 2d cartoon and so that it was i don't want to say it was it was kind of basic but Mm-hmm. For us, we loved it. You know, it was very charming. Uh, and they, but they themselves did not think it was as quality as what they were capable of. So they brought in a, um, a, a, a person who was connected with The Little Prince. That was a, a film that you can actually see and stream on network uh, and brought him in to redo a trailer. And that's the one that you can see on YouTube, that one. Which, is, which looks great, but uh, the charm of that first one and the window of opportunity, because, you know, obviously when we were when that was being pitched by Nine Story, you know, you think nine months, tw- you know, a year after that one, the second was one was pitched. And sometimes people are like, I think when it make a long story short, I think when it was initially pitched was b- really before the superhero trope kind of got big and got kind of almost ubiquitous. Um, so that was like one of those things where we look back and we're like, you know, had they not decided to kind of redo it, mm-hmm. that might've been the window for that, for that particular project. Um, but we're always, we're, we're a creative lot. I think, you know, Dave is, is one of the, the wittiest guys I know, and, and he's a smart writer. Um, and you know, Rich is so creative with his, uh, you know, with music in general. Um, Smitty is sort of like the glue, I think. And, uh, and maybe I'm the visionary. And so like with the wobble goggles, I'm always looking uh, at where, you know, possibilities can exist for us. And so together we've made a great, you know, quartet and, and hope, hope to continue to do so. And, and I think we, we definitely have one more creative, big creative project, like uh, putting together something like a movie. That would be something that is definitely something we've been talking about and making and, and wanting to make happen. Very nice. Well, if, uh, if you do make the movie, we will be there on, uh, on opening night and we will see you. On March 30th at the Vidim Theater in Chicago. Uh, Mover Scott, thank you very much for joining us on the Paternity Test. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Well, folks, it's time for another episode of the Paternity Test to have Momo interrupt the surprise egg unboxing video it's watching to tell it to burn down the house. Follow us on Twitter at The Dad Test. Like us on Facebook. Visit our website, paternitypodcast.com. Email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com. And catch us at chicagoparent.com. All right, everybody. Remember, college isn't for everybody, but it is for those whose parents can bribe the field hockey coach to pretend that you're their new starting forward. And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test. (laughs) 